All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 141 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy for you to be here, whether you're live streaming, YouTubing, or podcasting. We want to thank you for allowing us to play a small portion in your daily routine, your weekly routine. We are here to talk sports. We have what I would consider one of the busiest weeks of sports to recap on in recent memory. It's funny because just a year ago, we were sitting here trying to find things to talk about. We're trying to find things to to give you guys and give our opinions on. And now it's almost like we can't fit it all in one episode. And so that's actually a good problem to have because it gets gives us an opportunity to decipher what is the best things to talk about. And boy, do we have some good things for you guys to, to enjoy this week. Hopefully you guys enjoy each and every episode. I want to start this week off... Uh, reflecting on what we normally reflect on during the football season, which is the previous Chiefs game. And obviously, we're going to give you guys the Eddie Hour. We're going to give you guys our uh, preview with the Chiefs and Packers game because, holy shit, have there been some plot twists involved in that one before this game even starts. This this has been a a very unforeseen and unexpected matchup, if you will, uh, that's going to be coming down this Sunday between the Chiefs and the Packers uh, on their 330 slates. This Giants game... I'll be honest with you. I, I I put it in, and we talked about this last week. So if you missed that episode, go back to 140 and listen to our our, our review, our preview with the Giants and Chiefs. This game to me fell in the same category, not just because of them being in the same division, but them being in the same current status in the NFL when it came to how the Chiefs should execute against the Eagles and the Washington Football Team, who we both now well, we've realized are both pretty bad teams. The Giants are a bad team as well, and I felt like that was a game where the Chiefs, because of the fact that everyone's still been craving and desiring and longing for this get-right game the Chiefs are supposed to continually have each and every week, to me that was a game that the Chiefs had a real opportunity in doing so. We also talked about the fact that there was a real opportunity for the Chiefs to drop that game, not because the Giants were a team that were worthy of beating the Chiefs, but because of the fact the Chiefs weren't a worthy team to really pick with a lot of confidence at that point. And although the Chiefs went in there and technically took care of business on Monday Night Football in Arrowhead Stadium against a bad reeling team in the Giants that were missing half of their playmakers, over half their playmakers, missing portions of their offensive line that was already shaky to begin with, I came out of that game actually feeling worse about the Chiefs than I came than I than than I was expecting, because I was expecting the Chiefs to go in there and put up a dominant performance at least offensively. I felt that the defense was going to be able to do enough to keep a bad Giants offense at bay long enough to give their offense an opportunity to really excel and push this game uh, out of reach very early. And that is the opposite of what happened. What we saw in the first drive was a very efficient and effective Patrick Mahomes with that offense. And I will still say this, even though Patrick Mahomes has had his struggles, when Patrick Mahomes is on his best, there is no one in the history of this of this game that we love that plays at a better level. There's no one that plays to the level of Patrick Mahomes when he's playing at his best. And when I first when I saw those first eight throws, he was eight for eight. I'm thinking, okay, 
Patrick's got this. Patrick's going to show us that he's still there, that he's still got what it takes, that he's still going to get this team up, and they're going to resurrect like like the White Walkers with the Night King when he starts rising everybody up on the bay of Hardhome. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, this is real. The Chiefs are back. And then the red zone happened. Then we see Patrick Mahomes force a ball. It looks like it's going to Josh Gordon. It's far right of Josh Gordon, and it's, a, and it's an absolute zipped pass. It's an absolute piss missile to where Josh Gordon can't react in time, and then it bounces off Jarek McKinnon's forehead, and it goes right into the hands of a Giants defender. And then we're right back to where we started. And this is on the first damn drive. Now, us fans can react the way we want to and feel the way we want to because we're fans. That's what we do. We're fanatics. We react to what's being put in front of us. The, the unfortunate thing was is I felt that the Chiefs also reacted the same way we did. They panicked. And what happened was you saw Patrick Mahomes in this offense start to overthink each and every play after that interception. And it's really mind-boggling because to me, these are the types of scenarios, these are the types of struggles that Chiefs should be having in 2018 when Patrick Mahomes was still learning how to play this position. Now, you could still make the case that Patrick Mahomes is still learning this position because he's still a very young quarterback. But this is year four of him as a starter. And everyone loved to praise that last that rookie season of his, sitting behind Alex Smith, and how that taught him so much, which I still disagree with, and will gladly die on that hill. But this is now year four, Patrick Holmes being a starter, and we're seeing him making literal rookie mistakes. Now, you guys heard me the first this last week talk about how I'm going to place blame in certain people, and Patrick Mahomes is the guy that I gave the fewest to. But a real problem I'm seeing with Patrick Mahomes now is he's in his own head. Because after that interception, which, by the way, wasn't really his fault, but it wasn't a great throw, you saw him panic and overthink and leave clean pockets over and over again. Even on the final drive, people are praising him saying that was the right decision to make. No, it wasn't. It was not the right decision for Patrick Mahomes to make at the end of the game. When you have a clean pocket... And Travis Kelsey's not open yet, but literally a half second later, Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey is wide open in the middle of the end zone. Patrick could have 100% hit him wide open. He could have walked him the ball. But Patrick panicked and ran into a sack. Guys, we're going into week nine. And the Chiefs do not have an easy schedule. In fact, they have, by win percentage, the toughest schedule for the rest of the NFL and, the, and for the, of all remaining teams, all, all remaining games. The Chiefs have the toughest schedule remaining. There is no get-right game. These are real problems. These turnovers are real problems. This offense has real issues. And we can theorize. That's fair to do. But we have to address the obvious. Patrick Mahomes is overthinking every single play now. Whenever his confidence is shattered or broken or, or even just, just frizzled a little bit, you see him panic. And I did not think that was in his DNA. And I still have a hard time buying in believing this is going to be a long-term problem for him because we've seen about 48 games different than what we've seen over these last eight that I can say with certainty that's who he truly is. But there is something truly wrong. Now, I'm going to give the defense a ton of credit. And I want to, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well. But I'm, you know what? We want to change things up a little bit. I'm going to attack the offense and defense in one take, and I'm going to let you guys have the floor for your takes. But I just want to give you guys my take on the defensive side as well because I'm going to give them a ton of credit. And I think it's because of the fact that the Chiefs finally did some things right. One, there's a blessing in disguise with Anthony Hitchens being being injured. Because Anthony Hitchens was killing this defense in the middle of the field. He is terrible in coverage, and he has not been tackling. He's, he's, he was known to be back with the Cowboys, even with the Chiefs last year and the year before that. 
Now that Willie Gay and Nick Bolton have been on the field, and now, no question about it, Nick Bolton getting Defensive Player of the Month. Not not Rookie. rookie yeah. Defensive Rookie of the defensive Month, yes. Rookie, yeah. I mean, it has a 15-tackle game, has several tackles for loss, leading the NFL, leading I think, in, ta- in tackles for loss to this point of the season. Absolutely obliterated Derrick Henry two weeks ago. Goes in here, has a great performance against the Giants. Willie Gay has the second straight game with a forced turnover with two two straight interceptions, two straight weeks. Might have saved the game. I mean, literally might have saved the game because it was direct two plays after Patrick Mahomes throws that interception in the red zone. The Chiefs three. get the ball back. Yes, so that, that literally could have saved the game. <laughs> But here's where I'm going to to stall my 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 praise and my excitement because I know I see everybody talking about oh this defense is clicking this defense has changed I want to believe that and it very well could be because something that I've also heard guys like Mike Garofolo and other guys that are well connected with Steve Spagnuolo and other people in the league is that Steve Spagnuolo's defense do start to play better as the season progresses so that is true that is fine that is fair but let's be honest about this particular matchup when it came to the Chiefs versus the Giants. The Chiefs were facing a terrible offense without Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay, and Sterling Shepard got her in the game. Like we have to contextualize this at some point. I don't want to. Tony was banged up too. Yeah, I I don't. I don't want to sit here and downplay what I saw from the effort aspect because the Chiefs' defense was given some effort. Frank Clark had by far his best game in this in this game. Since the Super Bowl run, uh, since 2019, graded out as his best game ever. Yes, I'm saying that based on what I saw, like yeah. my eyes, that was the most motivated and, and efficient Frank Clark I've yeah. seen since the 2019 Super Bowl run. Yeah. So I'm gonna give them an A for the effort needed, because I think that they that. really brought the energy, and I've been missing that. We've been sitting here going, "Where the fuck is this been?" Yeah, we needed to see it. And this defense is clearly a different animal when Frank Clark is clicking, right? Yeah. We saw a different animal out there. But what we need to see is the Chiefs defense do this against a worthy opponent. This is my problem. Is that they will go out there. Look, I have the numbers right here, guys. They've played three other young running th- three other young, young quarterbacks this season, all ironically in the NFC East as well. Mm-hmm. J- so three three so far. Jalen Hurts, Taylor Hineke, and Daniel Jones have the Chiefs have played this year. They're giving up 66% completion percentage, 264 yards per game, six touchdowns to two interceptions with only a 91 quarterback rating. You will win almost every single game when you hold quarterbacks to those numbers. Every single game. Because those aren't great numbers. They're good numbers. They're not great enough to beat a team like the Chiefs on a normal basis. So I'm going to give the Chiefs credit here, but you got to hold good quarterbacks to those numbers. you got to make guys like Aaron Rodgers, who they won't face this week now, you got to hold guys like that to those types of numbers. you got to hold Josh Allen to those types of numbers. And people say, well, that's ridiculous, Lance. Those are the best of the best. Did you guys miss last season when the Chiefs did it to Josh Allen not once but twice? There are no excuses. They've got to play better when it better actually matters. These Giants teams, you should roll them. And the Chiefs did anything but that. That was a nail-biter. The fucking Giants had the lead with, what, four minutes? Or was it five, six minutes left to go in the game? Under no circumstances should that happen when you have, when you not only have a banged-up bad team that's going to win five games at most this season against a team at home in Arrowhead, a packed, ruckus crowd with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, a healthy offensive line, a healthy defense. Literally everybody played. Outside of Anthony Hitchens, who again has been killing this defense. There is no excuse. I know everyone's saying a win is a win. No, it's not. Not in this context. If you're a young, rebuilding team that's trying to get back into form and maybe contend in a year or two, like the Bengals who are overachieving right now, yes, a win is a win. But when you're a back-to-back Super Bowl appearance team, when you've been to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, these types of wins are not okay. Especially when you've been struggling all year to get wins. The Chiefs have yet to win consecutive games. 
So although they did get the W, I left that game feeling worse about this team, despite the energy we saw on defense, because of the fact that the offense is still so far up their own ass. Just going to say it, man. You see a lack of creativity. I I think Travis Kelsey is dealing with some injuries because his production has just dropped. His, he, he, you, you see him getting bullied out there, and he's not getting calls either, so that thing, that's, that's frustrating him as well. He's got to win at the line of scrimmage, though. Him and Patrick are not on the same page. Uh, you're seeing McCole Hardman be effective at times, but not enough. Tyreek Hill's getting a ton of targets. He's really been the only consistent League piece. In targets and receptions. And I'll say one more thing, and I'm going to hand it off to you guys. I love the fact that, that Derek Gore got his chance. Because what you saw from Derek Gore, I think is true. I think he's truly that guy that the moment's not too big for him. I think he showed us that despite the fact the Giants actually have a decent defense, they're not great. I think they're like 21st ranked right now, but they have good players and they have a good system. They're just waiting for those guys to, you know, some guys to come back. You saw Derek Gore and the way he moved his feet and executed the 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 shifting of the of the protection and how he would hit the holes at perfect times. Those are instincts, and you can't teach those. I think Derek Gore has what it takes. Do I think he's going to be some superstar running back, You know, some next-level guy? No, no, no. But I do think he can complement this offense. And I told you guys from two, three weeks ago that this Chiefs offense, one of their main issues is the fact that they do not have a balanced attack. They do not run the ball enough. I know that Andy Reid is a pass-happy head coach. I get that. I know as long as Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, you're going to throw the ball far more than you run it. That doesn't mean, though, you should not have a balanced attack because you're seeing what defenses are doing each and every week. They're playing high safety, cover two defenses, forcing you to take whatever's underneath. How do you how do you execute how do you execute that and combat that? You run the damn ball, and you saw that when the Chiefs started to run the ball in the middle of that game, they were moving up and down the field. You guys know that 12 of the 19 turnovers the Chiefs have this season are on their are on on positive yards. Yeah. They're driving all year long. They're getting the ball in places to score. They're just fundamentally flawed in how to actually execute a scoring drive. And it's very frustrating to see. And again, I think it's because they're putting way too much onus on Patrick Mahomes saving them that now he's trying to wear a cape that sometimes is a little too heavy for anybody. So I, I love the fact the Chiefs got the victory because if they didn't win the game, we're not even talking about a team that can make the playoffs. We're sitting here talking about, okay, how do they get through the season and work on the building next season, getting back to Super Bowl prowess. They got the victory. I'm happy about that, but I'm not happy about how they got the victory. And now they're going into a game against the Packers that are a proven commodity with or without Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be a very tough task for them to do with, regardless of where they're playing the game. Yeah, I mean, you, if you if your quarterback, especially a star quarterback, is playing timid and scared, you're never going to be a winning team moving forward. Like uh, that's what that's my biggest concern right now. My biggest concern is Pat. Obviously, the turnovers are a concern, but that starts with Pat too. Pat's been throwing some errant throws, regardless if they're catchable or not. He's extending plays when the plays don't need to be extended. There's a lot of plays that should, if you just play simple football, throw the guys before they hit their breaking point. There's a lot of times, and I was telling it to you, Lance, when we were watching the game live, that that play to McColl, and that uh, I think there was two, or no, yeah, it was the play to McColl, and there was one to, to Tyreek, where he waited for Tyreek, and Tyreek's sitting there waiting for the ball to get to him. You got to hit Tyreek before he gets to that that point. You got to throw them open. You got to throw them to where they're going to be instead of to where they're at. <clears throat> Pat's waiting too long to where guys are are open and they're waiting for the ball to get there. You got to throw the ball where it's going to where he's going to be. That's just simple football, and he's just not firing on it right now. He's just missing a lot of throws. And that play to McColl was gonna McColl was gonna walk into the end zone. He threw it in the dirt, and McColl had almost he almost caught it, almost got his fingers in there, but it was an incomplete pass. And he almost when he and he, and he when he almost caught it, he still would have scored right there. 
but they had called off because it was incomplete. Like you just yeah. dude, throw it to his numbers, man. Like yep. there's no excuse for Patrick to be throwing those kind of balls into the day. That just looks nervous. That's a nervous throw. He's trying to get it out too quick. Threw the ball, released it too late. The ball went too low into the dirt. Like that's just simple. And that's not stuff he used to miss on. These are all new developing storylines with Patrick Mahomes, and it's just it's something we're not used to. It's something he's probably not used to, right? So he's probably broken mentally in certain ways, and he's got to find a way to fix it. I don't think there's any better coach right now to be with him to help him fix this than Andy Reid at the same time. This is a trend, man. We've been playing eight weeks of football now, and this has been a consistent outside of that that week one Browns game where we pulled that, that win away out of that one. Outside of that, Pat has not been too impressive, man, with a lot of things. Yes, we put up points. Yes, we found ways to score. That's what this offense does. A lot of trickery, a lot of movement, a lot of just outright great athleticism and speed on this offense. You're going to get points with that nonetheless, just a pure effort from these uh, these players we have with Tyreek and Travis Kelsey and so on. But it starts up top, man. And Pat's shaky. This whole offense is going to be shaky. You know what I mean? So I have a, I've had a – that was hard to watch. We very well could have lost that game if Willie Gay didn't get that interception. If he didn't immediately turn that – get that ball right back after that turnover in the end zone. Yeah. Granted, that ball should have been caught. It, it was it hit him in the head. It hit uh, uh, um, uh, Jerk McKinnon. Jerk McKinnon in the, in the helmet, right? So – like it, it, the ball is in your radius, you got to catch the ball, uh, especially in the end zone, especially in the red zone. We cannot be turning it over in our own territory and the, the opponent's territory when we're getting ready to score. We left points on the board, and that could have cost us the game. We won by three. So when Buckner Buckner had to be the guy to put the game away, that's no. This offense is not built that way. This offense is not. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Granted, Buckner is is paid to be a kicker, but he's not paid to go out there and win games. This offense should be when he's kicking field goals. We should be up by multiple scores. Um, so that was very uncomfortable to watch. Um, this offense is just—I think we are banged up. I think Travis Kelsey is definitely banged up. I think Tyreek's even banged up too. He's been dealing with some—you know—I think uh, some quad issues. So he's not 100 percent either. He's been catching a lot of passes that are not really in his mo- like a lot, of, a lot of shorter passes for Tyreek. Usually his yards per catch is like 14, seven, 15 yards, 15, between seven, 10 to 15 yards. Obviously, they'd be taking away the deep shots. We still got to take our shots downfield, though, man. We still got to run the ball. We still got to take our shots downfield. We got to keep these defenses honest because you can't play. That's what's so tough about football. You want to take what the defense gives you, but at the same time, you have to test defenses too. You have to find that balance. And we're we're either not running the football at all or enough, and we're playing completely, or ignoring when we're playing completely into the hand of the defense, or we're running the football, football, football. I mean, but I mean, running the football has been working, but at the same time. We've got to be able to find a sim. I want to see a balance because it's one drive will we'll just do nothing but throws, and one drive will do nothing but runs. Obviously, we scored on those on those great. Uh, the opening drive was nice because we were we were dinking and dunking. We were taking what the defense was giving us. The other drive was nice because we were running the ball. We just got to find that balance, though. Patrick's got to find confidence. Clay's going to hate this. Our, our producer Clay Winner is going to hate this stat, but I posted it. It is what the it Chiefs is. are thirty-one and three since twenty nineteen. Right. When they run the ball at least twenty-one times, and they're seventeen and four when they run the ball at least twelve times in the first half. I know people hate that because we know we love seeing the Chiefs run the ball through the air with Patrick Mahomes, but the league has caught up to that methodology. They've yeah. caught up to that ideology. They've caught up to the way the Chiefs have executed for the last three years. It seems so easy the Chiefs can just score thirty points a game. On offense, well, defenses have caught up to the way the Chiefs have been scoring. Now the Chiefs have to adjust to the adjustment. Yeah, and. Another disturbing fact is, man, Patrick Mahomes was outplayed by Daniel Jones. Yes, he was. And we could talk about, oh yeah, these the quarterback, you know, with the with Heineke and and, and Jones and uh, uh, and and Hertz from Philly, like we yeah, we played these quarterbacks, they didn't perform well. 
Daniel Jones outplayed Patrick Mahomes. What does that say about Pat? You know, he had a 74 rating and Daniel Jones had a 96. Yeah. And Daniel Jones threw two touchdowns. Pat threw one in a pick. Like, that can't happen, man. This, we're supposed to be a Super Bowl favorite. Pat's supposed to be an MVP favorite. He, we, he, none of us are performing on that level, man. Something is definitely mentally wrong with Pat. I hope he can fix it. I love the kid. I believe in him. Obviously, we have every reason to believe in him. We believe in this offense to turn it around. Um, I'm not worried about our weapons. I think Travis Kelsey is going to be fine. I think I expect Travis Kelsey to have a good game this week. Um, Wouldn't you agree, though, Trevor? Wouldn't you guys agree, though, that that's the biggest reason why there's panic amongst Chiefs fans and amongst everybody out here? Because we've never experienced this yet with that. Yeah, it'd be one thing if if Chiefs were 4-4 right now, but Patrick Mahomes has, like, 27 touchdowns and, like, five picks. Mm -hmm. We're like, well, we're going to get out of this because Patrick's playing such great football. The team's just got to keep up with him. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be one thing. I feel like we'd be a lot more at ease right now, even if the record was 4-4, if Patrick was playing, like, all-pro-level football right now. Well, I will say this, man. Dan Orlovsky on NFL Network made a great breakdown talking about, you know, what make what has made Pat so great is what happens when the play breaks down. What happens when you know you need him the most and you need a big play and he pulls one out of his ass. That's what's made Pat so great up to this point. But it's the plays, it's the time in games, it's the game plans when you don't need that is when he's failing right yes. now. Yes, he's failing at the simple his things in football. Yes, everything. Yeah, his 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 his, his nine to ten step dropbacks are not even nine to ten step dropbacks. Are like five, and he like stumbles to the left, stumbles to the right. He's got a clean pocket. And we criticize Orlando Brown and Lucas Niang and Mike Rimmers for giving up sacks, but he's dropping back 12, 13 yards in the pocket. As a tackle, you're failing. You can pull 13 13, 13, 14 yards back. Just the first half last weekend with clean pockets, Pat's just running into pressure. Yeah. Making the play way harder than it has to be. Dude, you have speedsters all over this field. You have technicians and, and route runners like Travis Kelsey all over this field. There's no reason for this offense to be struggling, and I think it starts with Pat. I mean, it's the guy that's in control of the football. It's the guy that should be audibling out of place. Like, there's sometimes where we, 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 we I'm reading the defense, and Pat literally doesn't read the defense and plays into the defense strength. Like when there's like a, a running play, and we run right into the blitz. Like it's all these things. Like, dude, audible out of it. And that's why I honestly, and Eddie, I, I'm sorry, man. I feel like we're, we're holding no, back no. on you here, but. Well, and I also want to get your thoughts on the defense, yeah, but yeah. but real quick, I'm just, I, I keep interrupting you. And I apologize, but like every time everything you're saying, like it gives me an idea on, to talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot that you're giving me here. Um, the reason why I'm so confident, though, because I know I'm worried. I ain't gonna lie, I'm very yeah. worried about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But the reason why ultimately I'm not to the point where I feel like this is like gonna be something that's gonna be long term is because of the fact that everything he's dealing with is fixable. It's literally footwork. It's literally him just freaking out a little bit. It's literally him just overthinking stuff. We've seen Patrick Mahomes in moments and times where the pressure is on and games where he's flowing and everything's fine, and you saw how easy the game looked to him. It's simply because he knew he could do it. And I think that right now, because for the first time, he's even said it in his press conferences post games, that he is now experiencing things he's never experienced. Where Andy Reid, who's been a head coach in this league for over 20 years, is saying, I'm seeing stuff I've never seen before. He means that the defenses are giving them things and challenges they've never had to experience before because everything just came to them easy because defenses didn't know how to, how to fight, fight against Patrick Mahomes-led offenses. Yeah. Well, now they do. So now you have to figure out, okay, Patrick, if you just calm down a little bit, make the boring throw. This is why I said last week they need to implement more of that 2017 Alex Smith offense because you saw football, there's man. no coincidence. Yeah. Two things. There's no coincidence that Alex Smith has his best season of his career in year 14 with the, with the Chiefs. The moment... Not only does he have Patrick Mahomes behind him, he knows the pressure's on. 
But the moment the Chiefs start to utilize this, okay, let's force the defenses to come up because they know how conservative Alex is. Oh, he just threw over the top to Tyreek for a 60-yard touchdown. Yeah. The fuck is this Alex Smith? Hunt Where's this coming from? Yeah. And here's the and thank you. That's my next yeah. point when it comes to running the balanced offense. Kareem Hunt was so good at catching the ball out of the backfield, but Kareem Hunt was also equally effective at running the ball. And what happened is, when you have the league-leading rusher in 2017, you saw how effective that Chiefs offense was with Alex Smith. If you run an offense very similar to that with Patrick Mahomes, imagine how much scarier that offense would be because much more talented and greater Patrick is to Alex Smith. And that's why I said that Andy Reid, this is why the majority of the blame falls on Andy, is because he, I feel, has gotten a little lax... And not only just how he coaches his players and letting them kind of do their thing and just get you know improvisation all the time, but also the fact that he's not being as creative with, like Trey said, the techniques and the routes and the game calls and things like that. Because Patrick's so great, sometimes you just even as a coach might sit back and marvel it's a at bit it. Of arrogance. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of arrogance. And, and, and look, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have every right to be arrogant because of what they've done so far on this in the early stages of Patrick Mahomes' career. But at the same time, the NFL doesn't give a shit. The NFL, these defenses, this this game. Is a rough game, and it will. If you fall apart, you will fall apart fast. If you let, if you let yourself in this league, and this game will pass you by in a heartbeat if you don't get your shit together. So Patrick Mahomes has got to work on his feet. I don't think he has to work on his feet to be like become like a you know like a Drew Brees, a, a super technician, a, a Peyton Manning. He doesn't need to be to, to that degree because Patrick's arm talent is so great that he yeah. doesn't have to be like a perfect footwork type of guy. But it's, he's got to he's got to get a little he's got to be leaning into his throws a bit more. He's got to angle his body correctly to make those throws on the out routes and not throwing him into the dirt. It's simple, man. Just don't. He's he's just he's just, he's in his own head, like you said. That's the biggest takeaway here is Patrick is in his own head. This is a mental issue, definitely not a talent issue. He's made it clear he's not dealing with any injuries. Nothing's wrong. It's just he's just, he's he's evading the pocket way too early. He's had good pockets, had good good pockets the majority of that game last weekend, and he's just got to take advantage of it and climb into the pocket instead of running out of it. Uh, defensively, man, I, I was I was very happy with the defense. Uh, um, I was even happy with them. I know we, the, the way the Titans game went <laughs> was not fun, but I, there was a lot of good takeaways from that defensively. Just from we didn't let Derrick Henry absolutely pop off on us, which he was doing to everybody all year, um, and we were just expecting him to have a 200 yard and three touchdown game against us. We were all just kind of accepting that, but that's not what happened. He didn't even get 100 yards thanks to Nick Bolton who I've been incredibly impressed with. And I'm glad that's been my guy since day one of the season. I've been toting his name, and I've loved what I've seen from him. I love that traditional Mike linebacker. I love it. Um, so he needs to keep up what he's doing. I don't know if Hitchens is going to get his complete rollback because we've been playing better without him. Uh, I think he should be more of a rotational guy. But granted, he's making the money he's making, so he's probably going to get that rollback. But Willie Gay is, is the athlete we needed on this defense, 100%. Two straight picks. Um, two just jump up and get them, just take them out of the air type picks, which is so impressive. Reading the quarterback's eyes, just taking the ball right back. And that was a, that, that was the game-saving play to my to me. We won by three. And if they would have went down and scored on that drive, well, who knows what happens. Yeah. Uh, so he took the ball right away, took the thunder right out of their turnover they got on us, completely flipped the momentum in that game. Um, so kudos to him. These two young guys have been incredible for us the last couple of weeks. Um, so I, I overall, and then Frank Clark had maybe the best game of his career, according to the grades. Uh, he got himself a sack. Chris Jones at the middle. He needs to stay there. Uh, I think we failed on that whole experiment. I know Chris Jones wants to be on the edge. I know he lost weight and dedicated it, but he's just, he hasn't been good on the edge. He just hasn't. And he's bad against the run and setting the edge um, and doesn't want to tackle people when they run by him. So him just being a bull rusher up the middle is what we need. He's just a nuisance up the middle and scares the hell out of the quarterbacks. And that's just what we just need pressure on quarterbacks. And Chris Jones is great at that. And Frank Clark setting the edge. And 
they, they just complement complement each other that much more when it's when it's played out that way. And I think the addition of Melvin Ingram coming in, I know we'll probably touch on that, but I think he'll play that 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 right edge for in in, in place of Chris Jones and Jaron Reed and, and Chris Jones will be in the middle. I think that's definitely going to be the formula moving forward. But overall, man, I'm impressed with this defense. I think I think that's something to build upon. Uh, granted, that wasn't a good offense, and they were without their majority of their main pieces. Uh, but at the same time, confidence is, is everything. And if that defense gains confidence, whether it's against a bad team or the best team, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, momentum's everything in the NFL. And if this defense and these young guys smell blood, I want that on my team. And I want Tyron Matthew to help build these guys and just continue to, to build upon these performances. Two straight weeks of decent performances. Um, I'll take it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this defense so far. Let me start with the offense. Uh, yes, it can be a mental issue with Patrick Mahomes, uh, and I mean I'm not hoping it's a mental issue, but I'm I'm hoping it's something that can be fixed and can be worked on because he's looked like an average quarterback out there. He hasn't looked like a Patrick Mahomes we know. He he struggled making those passes. Uh, he he struggled to connect with players. He struggled to connect with Tyreek. Yes, he's Tyreek. Tyreek has gone off. Uh, one or two games this season, but that's it. Travis Kelsey's struggling, struggling hard. Um, I, I don't know if it's a connecting issue, connection issue. It's just Mahomes leaving the uh, the the pocket way too early is just affecting everything we do out out there, offensive wise. The the first drive, I was very impressed because, like you and uh, like you, Lance, and uh, like I said last week. We wanted to see more of that Alex uh, Alex Smith 2017 playbook. Uh, we thought that it was time, and we thought that that's what the Chiefs needed to do. Just take what the defense gives you and then make those uh, those long plays. But I, I don't know what I don't know what the deal is. But the first drive was was pretty good because they were taking taking what the defense gave you. They, they were doing those ding and dunks. They, they were. They were moving the ball up until the interception. They were they were driving the ball, yeah. and then I don't know what happened. They just went away from that. They went away from that. They try to hit that home run every single play. Like, stay to what's working. Yes, I get we have Patrick Mahomes. I get we have Travis Kelsey. I get we get we have Tyreek Hill, but it's not working. The home run play is not working right now. Do what what worked the first drive to that you moved the ball all the way down the field and almost scored. Keep doing that. See, let the uh, let the defense give you more plays throughout the game because they're gonna put that pressure down. They're gonna want to get to the to the quarterback even more because he's doing those quick passes. So they're gonna start blitzing. They're gonna throw those blitz at Patrick Mahomes, which he's great at at combating and getting great results out of blitz. Let the defense throw the blitzes at you, and and then try and go for those those home run balls. But you trying to go for those home run balls every play? It's it's not what this offense needs needs, needs at this. That's moment. what I think the biggest concern for me, like as far as the game goes, what what defenses are doing against the Chiefs. The defense are allowing the Chiefs to move matriculate down the field, yes. thinking dunks when we do it or run, and we we can move the, the ball. The defense is but when you things it. get tight, when we get within the, the twenty, red zone, yes, that's when Pat's struggling the most because then defense will you know play a more of a tighter yeah. zone or even bring some blitz packages yeah. to make him uncomfortable. He'll leave the pocket, and, and Pat's got to get better just. Taking you know two three five step back and just throwing the ball into the end zone. Drive. He's not doing that. He's trying to like move around, and make these things happen. Make like, his home run plays. Just throw it in the end zone. Man, yeah. it, it's like it feels like Patrick Mahomes tries to get that highlight reel every single play, and yeah. that 
I said that, guys. I said that in the first on the first drive. I said this on Twitter. I said, I said that the Chiefs at times, to me, and most times, honestly, especially this season, are more concerned about style points than actual points. I think that that, that, that play because we sit here talking about the turnover on that on that red zone throw to yeah. Josh Gordon or Jerry McKinnon, whichever the one he was throwing it to. But we forget about the play before it. When they have Travis Kelsey go into the Wildcat and then dump it over to yes. Patrick and do all this cute yeah. shit. Yeah. Guys, and that stuff's cool. Zone, like, okay, That's remember normal. the Dontari Poe, the bloated pig yes. throw? Okay, the Chiefs were up like 20 points in that game. <laughs> yeah. You can do shit like that when you're yeah. blowing people out and you're, you're having drive. a good season, things are going well. You know, you can fuck around a little bit, have a little arrogance to you. Cool. Like the Super Bowl. Yes, like, exactly. The yes. And then they spun. That stuff's fun, right? It's, it, 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 it can be situational. But then when it doesn't work, it looks so stupid, especially when you reflect on everything that's led up to this moment. When you see that the Chiefs have struggled the way they have, they're a team that's literally on the verge of missing the playoffs, and you're doing stupid shit and like that. that. To me, it's more, and that, that pisses me off about Andy, because Andy's the one writing those up. I know the Chiefs players are the ones creating them during practice, but you have to allow it. Yeah. You have to be the one that says, "Yeah, go ahead and run that." You're you, not that team right you now, so you don't have that a right. Deeper issue at hand, though, to why maybe maybe Andy Reid's doing that. Look, I'm not. I'm, this is not. I'm not shitting on Patrick Mahomes at no. all. But do you think there's maybe some issues that are that are yes. that yes. the coaches are coaches are aware of that this, are trying yeah. to help? Patrick? Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're aware that uh, there there's real concerns. I think on Patrick Mahomes, and I think the coaches are starting to get a little worried. Yeah, that's what I'm worried and, about. And, and I think. I know Lance keeps saying every week that Patrick Mahomes has not been figured out, but I think Andy Reid in the bottom and in, in his head, I think he knows that teams might have figured out that style of play and might have figured. And I think, and I, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak these into existence, but maybe Andy Reid thinks that Patrick Mahomes is limited to certain certain type of plays. Yeah. And and that's something. It's still way too early. Yeah. Like I said, it's just me just throwing it out there. It, I, like I said, I don't want to speak it into existence, but I think I can see coaches getting a little worried and concerned in Patrick Mahomes. And I will and say this though: just last week alone, this this that strategy, that kind of the kind of football has become a trend in the league. Mm. The, just last week alone, there were nine non-quarterbacks that threw the football last week. Mm-hmm. Just last week. So that's becoming more of a trend in the NFL. Yes. There's a lot of trick plays, especially in the red zone. A lot we of teams are doing that. We, we saw, saw Derrick Henry. Well, we saw Mike White fucking Mike catch White, a touchdown. Yeah. Like Mike White. Guys, this is this is what this is what I think is going on. And and we we've theorized about this about how I feel like there's some off field issues with Andy Reid. Yeah. I feel like there's maybe some off field issues with Patrick Mahomes going on. I don't want to speculate, but I think there are. Um, but here's 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 a perfect analogy within sports that we can make. Baseball. Okay, so you you know that baseball is like the ultimate adjustment game in mm-hmm. all of sports. It constant adjustments within plays, within plays, within plays. Right? Yeah. Okay, we always talk about how Mariano Rivera had one pitch and it was unstoppable because it was. Mm-hmm. But what if it wasn't? What if Mariano Rivera started giving up home runs on that cut fastball? Nearly as great. What do you, what do you, what would you what do you think Mariano Rivera would have would to adjust. do? Would he keep throwing it, or would he have to maybe add a curveball, maybe add a slider? Not that he couldn't do that already, but the emergence of that pitch was that much more because it wasn't working anymore. Same with uh, pole hitters like Poppy, David Ortiz, Big Poppy. He was a pole hitter. Every time he'd pull to the right field, pull to right field, pull to right field, he'd hit a lot of home runs. But once defenses started to yeah, but once defenses started to adjust and shift the yeah, defense, sure. it made it that much more difficult for him. So if it didn't work anymore, don't you think that Poppy would have to start hitting a little more opposite field to make the defense respect the other side of his game? Yeah. Same thing with the Chiefs. You guys are right. They hit home runs for years. For the last three years, they're just hitting home runs left and fucking right. The cut fastball's unhittable. You can't stop Patrick Mahomes in this offense. 
well, they started hitting off that cut fastball. Mm-hmm. Well, they're starting to shift on Defense that pull hit. Now. now what yeah. do you do? Because we know for just just at the core of this Chiefs offense, they can score on anybody, right? If let's say defense just played them straight up man coverage and blitzed them, this Chiefs offense is averaging 34-35 a game and Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. Yeah. But because of the fact those adjustments are now here and they're clicking, now you have to re- reconfigure your entire drive. And what's pissing me off is when you have one of the greatest coaches of all time not making those adjustments for weeks on weeks on weeks, it tells me there's some, in, there's, uh, uh, some incompetence now starting to set in. Because now the question no longer is can they do it, but why the fuck aren't they doing it? No. That's the question you start to ask. I, I know I know we're just looking at the game as fans and all that stuff. We can we can uh, talk all the shit we want to, but at the same time, like I'm, you guys know the game more than I do, so mm. you guys know what adjustments could potentially be made and may, maybe they will work. And then we see the Chiefs not making any adjustments at all. And then some people come out and like kind of talk shit on on the people that kind of suggest some other options. It's like, well, you're not an NFL coach. That should tell me a lot more because I'm not an NFL coach and I'm seeing these and they are not. Yeah, if you go watch the All-22, man, Pat's simply just not going through his reads. He's, he's not. not. He's leaving the pocket before he gets to his second read half the time. He's yep. leaving way too early. And There's been numerous times where McColl's sitting in the flat wide open, Travis Kelsey's sitting in the flat or over the over the seam, just lobbing over Travis Kelsey's wide open. Like, even if he doesn't get any yak, he's going to catch a first and down. The crazy thing is just Mahomes not being able to get yeah. to the player. The balls are just way either too low or too high. There was one play, I think uh, I think it was McCall that yeah, was running on the right. Yeah, was referencing that, yeah. Uh, that was running on the right. It could have just been a perfect deep ball, home run. Mm-hmm. He overthrew. Yeah, and then he, he underthrew him on a throw that McCall could have moonwalked yes, in the end zone. Yeah, almost he, did when he still he, yeah. almost, he, raised it off well, the ground. He caught, he caught it with the help of the ground, yeah. but he scored a touchdown. Still scored. Yeah. Imagine, him in the Imagine if he would have hit him Easy. right here. Yeah. yeah. I was pissed, dude, when I saw that line. I was there, so upset. I, I really hope this is something that Mahomes can really fix on and start working on. But I don't think it's going to be a one or two game kind of thing. I think this is going to be a whole season kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this is something that Patrick Mahomes is going to have to work on even more in the off season. I, I think there's going to be he's going to have to put himself in like isolate himself and just kind of watch film. It's kind simple, of, it's, or as strange as it feels, just to come out of my mouth right now, I think the coaches read. Whoever, whoever's drawing on plays just needs to simplify this offense for Pat. For Pat, yes. And that's, that feels so I, ugly. It feels so gross saying that. But I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to scrap a lot of these trick plays, scrap a lot of this pre-snap stuff. We can still do some pre-snap yeah. stuff, but it's just three three drop three step back try drop back type throws. Just get the ball out quick. And you saw that it. early in the game, yeah. and it was worth just simplify that, it, man. And I text you guys when it was the first drive. I was like that whole. I was like, oh look at that play, uh, Alex Smith uh, yeah, playbook, and they drove that fucking ball like it was nothing. Yeah. And then they went back that second drive. They went back to the Chiefs trying to make that home run ball, and we saw it was a. It was not working, and they tried, and they tried, and they, you still got to test the defense every once in a while. I get it, I yeah. get it, but at the same time, if that if the first the first drive worked and you drove the ball, mm-hmm. stick to that and see what the defense gives you throughout the game. Yeah. Because we got too much don't, talent. These guys yeah, can catch the ball just, and do anything. Don't just it. do that one drive and then go back because the defense is gonna be like okay. one of the most one yeah. of the most impressive games. And I'm gonna say this real quick. I want to get your thoughts on the defense, okay. and we'll move on to the Eddie Hour. But one of the most impressive games of the last three years for me for the Chiefs 
isn't any of the games where Patrick Mahomes torched defenses in the air because we expect that. Yeah. The most impressive game, honestly, to me, offensively from this team was last year was a week eight or week nine when they faced the Bills and they rushed for 251 yards. Like, I understand that's never going to be a normal thing, which is why it's so impressive because to me, Andy Reid said, you know what? I'm going to put my pride aside, and I'm going to do what I think is best to get this win on the road in Buffalo because it was rainy. It was gross outside. They have another quarterback that can trade blows to Patrick Mahomes who is just as talented, if not more talented at times, than Patrick Mahomes. Why don't we go out there and run the ball all over these motherfuckers? And they did that. And you saw how that was breaking the Bills, yes. where it forced Josh Allen. Honestly, the Bills look like the Chiefs this year, that last year when that game happened. Because you saw how Josh Allen was just desperate because their drives were so limited because the Chiefs were just eating up clock, mm -hmm. forcing the, the, the Bills to have to go for the big plays, and then the turnovers happened. That game, to me, was so impressive. I love that game so much. I don't... <coughs> maybe it's this old school because I grew up in the 90s kind of thing where that was more of a prevalent thing where running the ball was such a big thing that I love it naturally and I grew up in the Marty era where you like seeing running the ball obviously I love seeing Patrick Holmes go out there and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns that's my favorite game but when you can do that on the ground your offense can do anything you want because then the defense has to fear your running game to where they have to stack that box. And if you have a stacked box against Patrick Mahomes, you are fucked because he's going to throw all over you. But that's the problem is the Chiefs put themselves in such a predicament. It's only, Again, with a baseball analogy, it's like they put Patrick Mahomes in an 0-2 count. Every single time where you have to just protect the plate and he's freaking out. Oh, God, I got to fire that one off. I got to foul that one off. I got to foul that one off. Oh, sweep for the home run. Yeah. No, give him an opportunity to start with a 0-0 count. Give him the opportunity to dictate pace, dictate how the game goes because you're the best head coach, you're the best quarterback on a weekly basis. It should be that simple. Like you said, simplify it. Yeah. Eddie, what was your thoughts on the defense? <sighs> the defense? Uh, I thought it was a good performance. I thought... Uh, uh, an outstanding performance by Frank Clark. I think it was uh, it was uh, strange seeing uh, Frank Clark uh, have that kind of game he had. Uh, I don't know where he came from, but that's what we need exactly from Frank Clark. And and I mean it came after Chris Jones is playing more inside. You know that kind of the kind of play that Frank Clark got exact. I, I like I'm with Trevor. I think that whole Chris Jones. Uh, uh, Fucking on the on the on the uh, on the experiment on the edge, yeah, on the edge. Yeah. That should be over. That yeah. that's it. I think that's why we brought him. I, I think that's what, exactly, and I think that's what we needed. Uh, we needed Chris Jones to be in there, and I think that would free up Frank Clark and Jaren Reed. I think Jaren Reed could potentially have a, start being uh, have have better games with this, uh, like, yeah in the middle with this, Chris Jones. This that's... last game, I finally saw Jaren Reed on the field. Yeah, they mentioned his name. It was crazy. Yeah, which was insane. He was actually getting pressure. I was yeah. like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, so I think Chris Jones and Jen Reed on the inside, and then you have Frank Clark and Ingram. Yeah. Dude, only good things can happen out of that. I just hope Spagnolo can can adjust to that and not stay to his old ways and just yeah. kind of keep Chris Jones on the edge. And uh, But, yeah, uh, overall, I think this defense was good. Uh, obviously, there's the whole Sorensen and Neiman situation. I don't know why Sorensen's on the field, to be honest. Uh he gave up a touchdown, uh, and the crazy thing is not only Tyron Matthew threw his hands up, but uh, Willie Gay also threw his hands up. Because these guys are sick of the shit, man. Yeah. And the crazy yeah. thing is that <laughs> it, uh, I was listening to Shannon Sharp, and he was like, number 50 told you he has he has that side. It's you and him against that receiver. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's letting you know he's he has his side. 
Just worry about covering the outside. Don't let. And what does he do? He fucking let like leaves them and just kind of leaves yeah, that outside Ron wide Bruno open. Should be playing one hundred percent of snaps. Yes, I don't know no why. why I don't know be. why Sorensen was in in the red zone. And we've seen what happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. And then Neiman, holy shit! Ah, God damn! Like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if dynamic duo. It's the crazy thing. What Shannon Sharp said it was like I don't know if Sorensen has a sex tape or some shit, that, like some video on him or He's something. Got some leverage somewhere. Yeah, like there has to be something that they got on Spagnolo that. Wouldn't you guys agree though, real quick? That it, this this is just a representation of Andy Reid, and it's this is my one thing. Like I love that Andy Reid is our coach. I, he's the greatest coach in Chiefs history. One of the three to five Andy greatest coach coaches in NFL history. Yeah. But I can't stand this about Andy Reid. Is that he is loyal to a fault. And, too, and yes, and he's also very um, absentee on the defensive side. Yeah. He very much does not push on the defensive side to a fault. You saw Bob Sutton the way he was doing shit for years. Was it? A couple years ago, I don't know if it was a couple years ago or last year that I said Andy Reid needs to fucking stay because what he does when the defense goes mm-hmm. in, he sits down next to Pat next to Patrick and ignores the whole defense. Yep. I, yeah, and yeah. I I mentioned that I was like we we I'm cannot fine have with that for the most I, part though. Yeah. Not when your team's playing like that's, shit. That's who Reed's always been. No, I, I get it. Uh, yeah. But you're the head coach. But adjustments. We talk I, about adjustments. Uh, you're the head coach. At the end of the day, you have the final call. I think, yeah, if Spagnola's still sending Sorensen and you as a head coach see that Sorensen is getting he's eaten alive. Has, he's had his snaps removed, but when he's out there, the defense, no, I, the offense are just looking for him. No, I get yeah. it. But when you're the head, like I'd say, you're the head yeah. coach and you see Sorensen get burnt and you see Spagnola not adjusting to that, I, I, me as a head coach, I'd be like, hey, Take him out, next guy Just up. Just white ass off the field. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm the head coach, I would be like, next guy up. It's it. It's For over. Halloween, I almost dressed as a burnt toast and said I was Dan Sorensen. Like, I almost did it. But, that, but, but you see what I mean? Like, as a head coach, you have the final say. You Just because you let your defensive coordinator make the play calls doesn't mean he has the final say. You're, you're the head coach. You put the talent out there. That's your guy's. They have adjusted. I mean, Thornhill's gotten far more playing time, but, but I do Dan think is still playing I, too I much. do think that was Andy Reid. I, I crossing my fingers that was Andy Reid saying, "Hey, it, it's time we we set uh, Sorensen and put Juan Thornhill." And I would also like the idea that if because Hitchens is going to get playing time, but what I'm hoping is that Hitchens takes the snaps from Neiman and they keep Bolton and Willie and Gay on Willie the field Gay. full time. I do not want to see a, a switching of Bolton and Hitchens. I do not want to see. That. I want to see. Uh, Hitchens or uh, uh, Bolton as the Mike linebacker so full time. We've, yes. we've seen this defense what they can do without Hitchens yeah. and we like with Bolton and yes. Gay. Put, in the put field Hitchens at the as the same Sam. Time. Put put Hitchens oh. as the Sam linebacker. Keep keep Bolton no, as the Mike and have yeah. Willie at the will. If you have that is effort. your best linebacker core. Ben yeah. Neiman off the field completely, yeah. and then you keep Armani Watson and and, and Juan Thornhill out there oh, as opposed to Dan Sorensen. Your defense is you're getting your best opportunity out of there. And now that this Chiefs offense and defense are going against a worthy opponent this week, with or without Aaron Rodgers, this is the one that we're going to have to really pay attention to because there's also a lot of unknowns. Do it. I just want to say this. We can talk about the the woes with Pat right now. I think Pat will correct himself. I think things will be okay moving forward. I think Pat will gradually get better. He may not revert back to what we've always been because defense have adjusted. This game is tough. But at the same time, I think the biggest issues for this team are penalties and turnovers. Two things you can definitely correct, but also what's scariest to me is what I've been saying all year is this team has a discipline problem. I feel like they're not they're not getting harped on enough at practice. They're not the coaches aren't coming down hard enough on these guys, and it shows on the field. Like, this is a discipline problem. When your two biggest flaws are turnovers and penalties. 
That is discipline. Well, how about the I, fact I love, I love how you said discipline because they were off the next day. Thank you. Practice. I was so what? pissed when I heard that, dude. Yeah, he goes, we'll rest up. He goes, he goes, we'll rest up. We'll rest up. Take tomorrow off and then get back and start rolling through. I'm like, Andy, what? your team is not eight or seven and one, man. You're not six and two. You're not even five and three. And you're like, going against the fucking Packers. I know these guys know better than we do, guys. They're coaches no, for a reason. I get, I get it, but I yeah. disagree with that so vehemently. Nice vehemently, I disagree. Showing yeah. the field, man. You. This is why some of the most hard-nosed coaches and grittiest coaches have, and it shows in the field, like Belichick and all these guys. It's no-nonsense type football, and it shows in the field. Regardless of how good the roster is, they you you see effort out of these guys, these coaches, players. And I need to see more. I need to see some more grit from this team, yeah. man. Run right. the football and stop getting penalties. I need these players to start being held accountable, which is something the Chiefs at least held themselves accountable as a crew. As yeah, a group, at, regardless at, of what the coaches just, do. I don't think the Chiefs are doing that. They're just letting them have. You know, well, we'll see if the Toxic Avenger has anything to say this week before the game. But in the meantime, we're going to move on. We have more Chiefs uh, content for you guys in the in the in the coming episode or the coming co- uh, segments. But we have the Eddie Hour right now. I am sure Eddie has got some uh, hard pressing, hard hitting questions. I think one of them has to do with something that took place yesterday in the world of sports when it came to one particular superstar quarterback. I'm sure we'll get to that. But nevertheless, Eddie, Mister Yo Yo Yo, what is in the Eddie Hour right, this week? All right, man. Let, let Let's go into uh, baseball real quick. Let's knock this out real quick. Atlanta Braves have finally won the World Series after 20 plus years. I want to get your thoughts and reactions to that. I picked this team to win the World Series before the season started because I believed I believed in Ronald 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 Acuna Jr., uh, Freddie Freeman. I believe this team had all the talent capabilities you saw how close they got to it last year. I picked them even last year because I believed in them. I I think that this is just a representation of how beautiful baseball is as a sport because Going into a season, you you assume that the most talented teams are going to get there and win. You know, everyone picks the Giants or the the Yankees. Everyone picks the Dodgers, and rightfully so because those teams are perennial World Series contenders. But then you see teams like the Braves that even when they lose their best player, Ronnie Acuna Jr., in the middle of the season, they still go out there and win the damn thing. And it's all because of situational experience. All because of the way guys play in moments in time. Do they come up big in big moments? Yes, Freddie Freeman. And how about Jorge freaking Soler winning the MVP of the the World Series? A guy that the Royals just shipped off to Atlanta for peanuts. They're like, yeah, you know what? Just go ahead and take him. And the dude wins World Series MVP just crushing the shit out of the ball. This is why baseball is a beautiful sport, man, because of stories like that. Like, other sports don't really give you those types of moments. They do sometimes, but not like baseball, man. Baseball has these awesome stories that you make movies after. That's why all the best sports movies are baseball movies, because it's almost larger than life. I love it. I'm happy for the Braves. They deserve this. It's been 26 years since they had won the World Series. Couldn't be happier for them, man. It's great great to see a smaller market team win. Yeah, it's not always fun to see your ex find success but especially kudos, when they didn't get the all-star game kudos, they didn't get the yeah, all-star game either right. so that's great kudos to, yeah kudos yeah that was definitely a a good story to, to attach to that as well um so hey yeah happy for the city of atlanta man it's, it was a it's a it's a fun roster um that's what's beautiful about baseball man literally any team if you get into if you make the dance any team can hit a hot streak and just take the whole thing that's what's one of the most unique things about baseball and i say it all the time um so yeah i mean happy for happy for solaire especially uh what a story you know uh, leaving Kansas City, going to Atlanta. Uh, neither one of these teams are like huge markets, but they're they're decent size. But Atlanta's probably a little bigger than here, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just a good story. Good humble team. The whole team, all those guys have good heads on their shoulders. Uh, no, no guy that's like a dislikable person on that team. So all those guys are are, are honestly just hardworking baseball players, and I can appreciate a win from those guys. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm glad they won. Uh, 
more than the opposition. So I'm glad that the the, the, the series went the way it did. And uh, yeah, man, kudos to Soler. That's a that's an, a that's a that's a hill to die on right there, man. Just be up. That's that's tippity top right there. So kudos for him. He's always been a good hitter of the baseball. Uh, the guy showed out and, and showcased his talents to another degree than we've even seen here in KC. So, uh, yeah, happy for him, man. Good, good, good victory there. Nothing better than seeing the Astros fucking lose. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I could not. I, I, that was awesome. I, I yeah. hope they're hurting. <laughs> I, I hope they're hurting. Hey, they made it back. Though. Hey, and Carlos Correa made it seem like that was his final, final game with the Astros because he is a free agent. That team's gonna start breaking up now, man. Bregman, guys like that, you're gonna probably start seeing them dissipate. Maybe Correa, Correa is a fucking free agent. No salary cap, so I'm sure they'll find a way to keep those guys. Maybe. He's. I think he's. Uh, they were talking that he's projected to to get like a three hundred and fifty million dollar contract somewhere. So, Dodgers, <laughs> Yankees, one of the two. Add them on. Yeah, I would say Dodgers. Fuck it, go to Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, all right, MLB. Buster Posey is calling it a career. I want to get your thoughts and, and uh, kind of see what you guys think about his career as a whole. And him as a player. I remember hearing about him my senior year of high school because Buster's, I think, a year or two older, year or two older than me. And I remember hearing about this kid that's going to be the next great catcher out of baseball. And and usually whenever there's this hype around a player in baseball, I tend to be a little reluctant to praise them, unless it's Bobby Wood Jr., of course, because I think this dude's going to be the goddamn truth when he gets up. But but uh, Buster was one of those guys where I, I was really buying into the hype early because you saw just this poise about him, this calm, this uh, consistency. No matter what level of, of playing he was playing at, he was just the same guy each and every time and continued to excel. And one of the things I loved about him was the fact that he had this leadership. And I know that sounds really cliche, but let's just call it what it is, man. A young guy having the, the type of alpha male leadership qualities that Buster had, yet being a graceful human and individual, was something I found very unique and I felt like it was going to have a, was going to give him a long-standing career at the MLB level. And since 2008, that's where he's been. Another thing that I think is incredible about Buster Posey, who I believe is going to be a Hall of Famer, which is very rare also for a catcher, is the fact that he had one of the most gruesome injuries in the history of baseball when he snapped his femur getting hit. They actually changed the rule for him because he blocked home plate, dude ran over him, snapped his femur, missed like 16 months of baseball, came back, and has been incredible ever since still. That was like six, seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so for him to do that in the prime of his career and come back and still flourish the way he did, he's only 34, so he could have kept playing. And I believe he had like, was it 50-something million left to still, he's doing a buyout, so I think he's getting like 20 million of it, but he's still leaving a ton of money on the table to play baseball, and he's like, I'm good. He's won, he's won, was it, two two or three World Series championships? Three, yeah, three championships, because they won like every other year, like the the Spurs did, remember when they would do that? Yeah, Uh, the last title was against the Royals, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yes, because of Bumgarner, those guys. Yeah, yeah. Posey, he, he, I don't want to say he revolutionized the game because that's so ridiculous to say he didn't, but he was one of those ambassadors of, of baseball, player. yes, that was very quiet, never really made the headlines, but was so effective and so respected around the game. He was like, he honestly reminded me of a lot of Joe Maurer, where Joe Maurer was this. Great hitting catcher, much better personality, but yeah, yeah, but he but he had that yeah. same kind of like reverence to him, where everybody's loved Joe, old Joe, old Buster, you know, he's loved this guy, you know, he's one of those dudes, and it really sucks to see him go, man, because when you lose guys like this, and I don't mean to compare him to Jeter, but when you lose polarizing figures like these guys, you feel it, the league feels it, they move on and they continue to succeed, but the game's never really the same without him, if that makes sense, you know, when you lose Brett Favre, you lose Dan Marino and these other greats. 
you, you you tend to feel it for a little bit. And I think mm-hmm. that the, I think the league's going to feel it a little bit because Buster was a great representation of what a great baseball player is to be. There might not be a harder sport to stand out as an individual and as a personality than it is baseball because baseball is just not the best at marketing their players and, and – and, I mean, it's just one of those sports where, like, it's very vanilla overall. Like, the management, the way the sport is ran is very vanilla, which is it's just a traditional type of game, so that's to be expected. But Buster Posey is definitely one of those personalities that kind of stands out. He's got a lot of charisma, and he shows it in his game. He was a risk taker. He was a good hitter. He's overall just a solid player. So it sucks for the league, obviously, and the fans of him, for him not to be playing the game anymore. Which he's – look, I'm not going to count it out that he might return. Because we've seen this before where players like that are that that caliber and still young enough to play numerous more seasons, numerous more years. Uh, He could return if he gets bored enough. You know, that that happens. But at the same time, I always respect uh, athletes' decisions to, to, you know, maybe turn the the page and start a new chapter in their life. Uh, He seems like one of those guys that maybe wants to go do something exciting with his life and have some kind of adventures and maybe go see the world and travel and do things. He just seems like kind of one of those guys. So I always respect people that want to take that next chapter in their life and, you know, while they're still young and do a lot of fun things, and maybe I don't know, I, I'm pretty sure he has a family already, but um, you know, it's 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 it is what it is, and I always, like I said, I always respect these athletes' decision to step away from the game they love, but I'm not gonna count out the idea that he could definitely return if if when all said and said said and done, when he's sitting at home watching it on TV and he gets that itch, you know, that that could definitely be a thing. But yeah, I mean, kudos to him, a great career, um, one of the great players, man, at that position for sure. So I uh, hope the best for the next chapter in his life. You know what's crazy? This year was Buster Posey. Next year's Yadier Molina. Yeah, that yeah. you're losing two giants, man. Wow. Yeah. Two humongous, literally a giant, and then a cardinal. You're losing two <laughs> titans of the game. That's that sucks, man. Within one year from each other, that's crazy. That's crazy to fucking on that. Yeah. Let's see. All right, next question. You guys ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, we're going into the NBA. Um, got a couple questions in the NBA, and then we'll we'll head to the NFL. Um, first question: Are the Lakers' struggles concerning when LeBron is not on the court? Are they concerning when he's not on the court? Yes, they are concerning when he's not on the court because of the fact that you don't have that insanely secure blanket to to wrap around these problems when LeBron's on the court. When LeBron's off the court, you're seeing there's a glaring weakness with Russell Westbrook overthinking and trying to do way too much, which has just been his MO his entire career where he's like, oh, I got to save it. I got to save it. No, you don't. You have a 19-21 point lead. And you have a player by the name of Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony Davis, who had in this Thunders game, the Thunder game, a second straight time they've blown almost a 20-point lead to this team, back-to-back games. The, the Thunder have two wins this year, both against the Lakers. and The youngest team in the NBA. Anthony Davis in this last game had 28 points and 19 rebounds. When you have that type of performance from Anthony Davis, you should win that game, especially when you have Russell Westbrook also on the court. You're the two best players on the court that night, we're on the Lakers. You should not lose that game. And what happened? Russell Westbrook down the stretch gets the ball to Carmelo Anthony, who's been shooting the lights out this season. He's averaging 20 points a game right now this season, which is insane. Carmelo Anthony hits the shot. You should win this game. Then there's a turnover. Russell Westbrook gets the ball with four seconds left, and he's running the ball with the tempo of, I'm going to shoot this ball. And we all know he is literally historically the worst three-point shooter in NBA history yeah. based on minimal attempts. Minimum attempts. And what's he do? Doesn't hit Carmelo Anthony, who would have sunk the shot because he was on fire that night. Doesn't hit Anthony Davis, who had 28 points. He jacks up a 30-footer and clanks it. And then they have another chance to win the game. What's he do? He leaves his assignment down under the goal. Under the goal. Homie gets the ball, tips it, and game over. 
So Russell Westbrook not only fucked his team over once, he fucked them over twice to end that game. They got a real problem with Russell Westbrook because because even in the end of the game when he was asked by the media about the situation, he tried to just downplay it, act all arrogant about it like it's no big deal. Look, man, I get you're a Hall of Fame player. I get that you were brought here to be a help to them winning another title, but you are not the man. You have got to know your place on this team. You were not the man back in OKC. You were barely the man in Washington because John Wall was balling. Like, uh, everywhere that Russell Westbrook has gone, he's tried so Bradley, hard Bradley to Beal. implement himself. I'm sorry, did I say John Wall? I'm sorry, Bradley, Bradley, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal was absolutely bowling, averaging 30 points a game. So you can even make the, con- the, the concession that it was his team. So I think Russell has really dealt with that insecurity of, I want it to be my team, even more so when you're going back home. He's from L.A. He always wanted to play for the Lakers. He grew up a Laker fan. So I'm sure that pressure is on him of, hey, i got to show out. i got to do my thing. Hey, Bron's out. I need to go out there and get a 40-point trip dub. No, man, that's not your job anymore. Your job is to facilitate, get the ball in the playmaker's hands. Every once in a while, get your scoring down. But more than anything, get the ball to AD, get the ball to LeBron James, get the ball get the ball to these other guys. Now, I will say this real quick before we go to Trevor. They also were out without THT. I think they were out of uh, none as well. None was out yeah, of the game. There's like four guys that were missing in that game. Monks you still up. can't lose that game. Yeah. So I'm not concerned about this Lakers team now, but I will tell you there's a reason why I didn't have them winning the one seed this year because I think it's going to take an entire season to really get this shit down before they get into the finals because I think they're going to be in the finals. Even like Jalen Rose says, who I usually do not agree with ever, made some really good points last night on their show about how the fact that this season is to experiment of what the best lineups and rotations are for the Lakers. They're going to figure it out because they're the smartest player in the world in LeBron James. They're going to figure it out. Once they do, you're going to see that. But I do not like what I've seen from Russell Westbrook to this point because he's trying He's trying way too hard. Yeah, they're, they're without a lot of depth rotational guys. I mean, Trevor Reese, TRT, or uh, those guys, Horton, all those. Yeah, they're uh, um, they're just – they haven't found their identity yet. This is this is a team with a, new, a lot of new roster moves. Uh, uh, so is it concerning without LeBron? Absolutely. I mean, I'm concerned anytime LeBron is a LeBron, – there's a LeBron-led team and he's on the floor. I mean, it's just – it's it's hard to find that to to fill that role. I mean, LeBron does so much facilitating and just overall what he does on the floor. It's just it's it's hard to replace that with at least with one player. And Russell Westbrook is just one of those guys. Like I've always said, like I love watching him. He's just very entertaining, very athletic, one of the most athletic players ever. Very aggressive, uh, a guy that wants to win. There's no you can never debate that. The guy wants to furiously win, but sometimes he wants to win too much to where he does too much and he tries too hard to put it on himself and it shows he's just got to find his role in this in this team um uh but yeah i mean when lebron's on this court they're going to figure it out they're going to get all the rotational guys back i'm not worried about the, the longevity of this team as far as the season goes it's still really early in the year there's a lot of feeling out to go but i don't like that they're depending on carmelo to drop 20 plus a night that can't be a reliable like that can't be something you're relying on that just can't um so i mean granted he's playing well he's shooting well um, but you, that's just not a night in, night out. And you get that performance, and you still lose to the Thunder. Like, that <laughs> that can't happen. And Russ has got to be able to – and Russ is a great facilitator, so I, I don't know why he wasn't trying to facilitate at that point of the game. Um, but he was just trying to jack up way too many shots, and that's never been his strength. He's never been a great shooter ever. Um, he's good to get into the, bat, the, the rack and finishing and be very aggressive. I want to see some more of that. But, um, yeah, this, this team is in flux. There's a lot of things moving around. There's a lot of filling out. We don't even know what their true starting lineup is yet. Um, so I'm not worried about the longevity, the longevity for longevity of the season. But when LeBron's in there, they're, they're going to be fine. Um, this is a good defensive team. They haven't really shown it yet. They've been allowing way too much points, if I'm being honest. But, uh, yeah, Russ has just got to find his, his, his identity and humble himself a little bit and, uh, and fall into a role instead of having to try to be the guy all the time. So. 
just gotta throw this out there, but I'll be in OKC to watch the Lakers December tenth. Nice. So. Hey. They ain't not gonna beat them. That, three that'll times. be the game they finally win, huh? <laughs> yeah. And he goes out there and watch LeBron drop a forty burger on him. <laughs> so yeah, I already got my tickets too. So. I want to go. Shit. Yeah, I know. Got my tickets. All right, next question. I know it's only been about ten games. I believe it's nine games in the NBA. Uh, but but what is happening to the Bucks? What, why are they not clicking? What what's going on? Oh, uh, it's pretty simple to me. Trevor brought this up a couple weekends, a couple weeks ago on the show. Is that Drew Holiday's been been banged up? Yeah. And when you don't have your best perimeter defender, and I mean including Giannis, because Giannis is better as an off ball defender. When you don't have your best perimeter on ball defender, your defense slacks big time. The Bucks are a team that very much builds their success off defense. Mm-hmm. They can score, but they're built on the fact they pressure teams. All four quarters, they face they they face you up. They do a lot of man. They don't do a lot of zone. They do a lot of man. But when Giannis is down at the bottom, he'll play a little off zone stuff. But the, Drew Holiday is such a pivotal character to, to their success. They don't have Drew Holiday, they don't win this year. They don't repeat as champs. They don't even get back to the finals. So that to me, I don't want to like I don't want to sit here and say it's only one issue because I'm sure there's some intricacies. I'm sure there's one guy on the team right now that's maybe not shooting as well as he should. Divincenzo is working his way back from that leg injury. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of things they're dealing with but just off the top if yeah, i had a middleton hasn't been playing yeah that great i honestly here's the thing guys most teams like not every team that wins the championship becomes a dynasty we know that so a lot of times teams can kind of be lackadaisical coming into the next season because they felt that it was easy to get to where they got mm-hmm. i don't believe that's the bucks but i do believe there's a little bit of a, 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 a finals hangover yeah yeah oh, it's yeah. november and it's early november yeah, i injuries. bet you by january this team's gonna be clicking they're gonna have an eight nine game winning streak at times they're gonna be right back in the mix of things but at this time i think it's just because guys are banged up and key guys are banged up yeah i will say a couple days ago after that when they finally got that win a couple days ago and and yeah, I was like, whew. He's like, I, I thought we were tanking for a second. He's like, I thought we were tanking for that first pick. That was hilarious, bro. But, uh, no, this this is a, still a great roster. Um, I don't believe in them this year, though. I, even when they won it last year, I felt that was more of an opportunity. I'm not discrediting them at all, at all last year. It was they, they took that chip last year. But it was semi-opportunistic a chance, and they and they took it. And they all kudos to them. But I didn't have them. I didn't believe in them as a team that's going to repeat and get back there. I think I had them getting bounced in the first round this year. I just Whoa! I just don't believe in them this year. Um, uh, I, I I think this team is uh is going to be like a middling team this year. I don't think they're going to be a top four seed. I, Yikes! I, yeah, I think I think this team is going to be good, but they're not going to be. I think the Heat are the team that beat in the East this year. Uh, and the Bulls are flourishing. You believe more in the Nets than the Bucks? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially if they figure out Kyrie to get Kyrie out to actually play some basketball. I, I absolutely believe in that. Do you believe that's actually going to happen? Well, I mean, I think correct. Kevin Durant's a better player than than Giannis. So, I yeah. disagree on that I, one, but I, I Kevin's I, a better scorer. I don't think he's a better overall player. I mean, they're they're toe they're an oversized shoe away from beating them, you know. So, and that was without Kyrie and uh, banged up James Harden last year. So that, there was an opportunistic way about that championship last year. I'm not taking it away from them, but. I just don't believe in this Bucks team. I, I never was fully sold on their coaching either, so I think that's going to be a detriment to well, as well this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be good. I'm not taking. I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but I think they will be good. Um, they're obviously going to make the playoffs, but I have them. I believe if I look at my bracket again, our predictions, I have them getting bounced. I think. I think I have them getting beat by the Heat in the playoffs. I can't remember. I have to check again, but yeah, I mean, look, that's how this league is, man. The NBA, like it. it if you're not up to par, you're going to get passed by. And there's there's some young up-and-coming teams in the East. I do like this Bulls team. I think I might have been a little off on this Bulls team. They look really good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they'll be good. They'll get their wins. Uh, they get Drew Holiday back in up to 100%. That's, that's still a, a team to, you know, 
respect, but I don't think they're going to be what they were last year. Mm. Interesting. All right. Now I want to get into this topic. Um, so according to, to Woj, uh, I'm sure everybody knows him, uh, he tweeted out uh, ESPN's uh, ESPN sources. Does 76ers find Ben Simmons his $360,000 game salary for missing Thursday's game and plan to resume finding him uh, until he cooperates with team physicians on his mental health issues and fulfill other basketball-related obligations? I want to get your thoughts on that. See what what do you guys as, think? as much as I've been upset with Ben Simmons and the way he's handled this on his end, I'm more I'm more upset with the the Sixers because of the fact that this was this was something that they've now created this 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 shitstorm they've oh yeah I'm sorry allowed yeah. but they did also kind of create it because oh, of the sure. way that they handled it with the media when yeah. Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid who were being honest and I give them that respect you can't be that honest and expect this guy to come back next season and just play ball literally and figuratively with you so there has been a real shitstorm on their hands that they refuse to deal and address this offseason they should have traded Ben Simmons immediately as soon as the season was over as soon as you can trade they should have traded him for whatever you can get because now look at this team and how good this team is they're they're a very good team a team that i have in the eastern conference finals forcing their hand they have no choice now they're gonna have to trade him for something much much less valuable than what they could have got this offseason they could have gotten a top tier player they could have gotten a couple really good players like a cj mccollum and maybe some picks mm-hmm. you could have gotten something now now you're gonna have to settle now you're gonna have to figure out maybe just compensation with picks and cash something like that or our good middle middle tier player you know what I mean? Like that's what they're looking at now. So Ben Simmons, as immature as he's been about some of this stuff, because he he brings up the mental health thing. I think the biggest reason why I'm not saying he isn't dealing with anything mentally. I don't want to sit here and say I know, but I think it was very convenient with the timing that he brought that up because the the issue was then okay, you got to play. Oh well, I'm dealing with mental issues. Oh, that's very convenient. You bring that up now, this yeah. very second. I think he was basically playing tic tac toe with them with all this, basically forcing them to make the next move. And the next move is he's getting fined three 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 hundred sixty thousand dollars a game, a which he's not going to allow. He's eventually going to come back and, and force his hand. Like I said, playing in some of these games and sitting back out, messing with their chemistry. He's, they're going to have to treat him. The problem is bigger than Ben Simmons. The problem now is what do the Sixers do about it? That's what I'm focusing on, not what he's doing. Because I know he doesn't want to play there. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be around these people. They don't want him around. Joel Embiid says, I'm not worried about that man. I believe him. I don't think Joel Embiid's a liar. I think he's seriously sick and tired of Ben Simmons' shit. I get it. But you guys got to fix it. Because if you don't fix it, Ben Simmons isn't going to fix it either. He's not going to just come up and say, Oh, you know what? I feel like being a teammate today. He ain't doing that. He's done. D-O-N-E. He is done with the Sixers. Trade him. Yeah, I mean, and the biggest issue is why, into why they said he either needs to, they're going to keep finding him until he leave, either at least cooperates. cooperates with the team and becomes part of team activities and maybe playing some basketball no. or, or cooperating in, in getting the actual mental health help because he's claiming mental health issues, but he's not seeking any so, therapy. No, so he, he, he has seeked uh, medical Supposedly, advice and yeah. all that stuff, but he won't, no he won't release it. He won't uh, release he the... He won't tell the team what yeah. the... Like, he won't he won't release it to the team, and that's what the Kinda team... Kind of like that's some people that are team, using holistic stuff so that won't release their information. So that's why the team, that's why the team is finding him $360,000 a, uh, a yeah. game, because he is not telling the the medical team... Uh, med- yeah, the medical team for the 76ers mm-hmm. his medical health. Or his mental health status that he has seeked outside of the uh, of the facilities, that's kind of where the uh, the 76ers are. Where 
you're not telling us what those doctors said how like we need to so that that's the worthy cooperation like this is yeah this is the thing and i'm typically a player first kind of guy but the players also got to remember they are an employee yeah this is a company the nba is a company that hired you yep that has to be the dynamic that is established and he's a brat man he's a little brat like this is what he's a badass kid and what do badass kids need to do and they reflect the parent, right? So the whatever the kid acts acts like, if you see a bunch of bratty kids, that reflects the parents, right? So the the Sixers are the parents for Ben Simmons right now, and they're allowing this to happen. Obviously, they're finally taking some steps to, to discipline him now, but like, it might be too late. Like they they should have pulled the trigger on trading him earlier on. Uh, I mean, if if your co-star and the actual star of that team, Joel Embiid, is lost faith and pretty much disowned you. What? There's no fixing this. Ben Simmons is going to milk this until it's over, and they're eventually going to trade him for a much less than they probably could have in the first place. And that's when they're going to get one of these L's. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is just a, I feel bad for Philly fans, man, because there was a that was a promising situation over there. Trusting the process for how many years? You know all this. They had a lot of draft picks. They they built a good roster, and Ben Simmons just doesn't want to you know play good basketball when they need him the most, or play basketball at all when they need him the most. And he's a great one-two punch with Joel, man, but. They've got to pull a trigger, and he's got to become somebody else's problem here soon. Yeah, it's, it's bad. I'll, I'll take him at OKC, but I don't know how those oh, fans are going to react. a great player, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the OKC fans will react to that. I, mean, I don't know. We went through Durant. The Kings were, the Kings were in talks of getting him, too. We were talking about trading here. Ben Simmons is like, not a guy yeah. you build your franchise around. Oh, yeah. He's not. No, 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 no. He's a complimentary piece. Yeah, he's just, that's what I'm the problem, though, is the Sixers still have four years, $172 million attached to him. So whoever trades for him is going to have to pay him extens- an expensive, oh. expensive amount of money. Yeah. For a guy what? who is at best your number two, what, so what, the, Pistons, what if, the Pistons will do it or something. Yeah. So I was gonna say, what if like no team is interested in into into Ben Simmons? No, there'll be teams the interested. There'll be teams interested. Teams that need to sell tickets because he's a guy that can sell tickets. He's a, he's somebody that people go and see because Ben Simmons is a very for, talented young if player. Trying but... to trade for Deshaun Watson, they're gonna there's, there's gonna be an NBA team trying to trade for Ben Simmons. I mean, yeah. just, they just teams want talent, so that's all that really matters in the long run. It's kind of like the whole Blake Griffin not dunking with the. Uh, oh yeah, this, dude! I told you guys that whole year. Like this dude is. Playing the league right now, but immediately had dunks like in the first three games of the, the Nets. That, I think that was his first bucket. Trolling, yeah, yeah. yeah. God damn! All right, man. Uh, we we gotta hit the the was it the the fuck the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room. Okay. It is definitely there. Uh, that's that's uh, vaccinated elephant. <laughs> that's the one question that it's going all around Twitter, all around social media. It's taking. Uh, taking news everywhere cnn fox every everywhere there's news to be reported this is what's coming out of it uh i was reading a tweet from uh lindsey Lindsay jones i think she's a writer for the athletic who covers the nfl uh she says among the things roger said today was at the end that an nfl doctor told him if he was vaccinated he couldn't catch or spread covid a league source said rogers just never spoke with a league medical doctor or one of the jointly appointed infectious disease experts though it was offered has Aaron Rodgers dug himself even a bigger hole than what this whole situation was or what yeah I just want to get your thoughts okay um when when I heard because I didn't know that he was still coming on Pat McAfee's show yesterday because he usually comes out on Tuesdays but Pat McAfee uh found a way to get him on the show yesterday and so I was like you know what I have some time, some downtime right now. I'm just going to watch this live video. I'm very nervous about what I'm going to hear because 
Trevor and I both feel very similarly with when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. That I, since I can remember, since probably around 2009, 2010, I've been such an avid fan of, of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, not just the player, but I love his moxie. I, I've always loved listening to him to, to him talk because I've always felt that he was a well-versed, uh, a well-respected uh, intellectual human being. And I still think he is. Um, but w watching and listening to this video, and he went on a tangent for about 30 straight minutes. McAfee just let him cook. Uh, he just talked. And talked. Well, I'm saying like it was straight before McAfee yeah. started asking questions. Um, he went on an absolute diatribe, an absolute tirade. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I was I was very disappointed with what I heard from Aaron Rodgers. Not because of him being a curious person. I'm a curious person. Trevor and I, we have, we have very deep, heartfelt discussions about things in life outside of sports. Sports isn't the only thing we like around here. Believe it or not, uh, us Twidwells and Mr. Ortiz over here, we like to talk about things we that are souls. outside of... Yeah, we, we actually you know, talk <laughs> we about religion. We talk about religion. <laughs> and one of those big things we talk about, Trevor and I just about 14 hours ago had a very heartfelt conversation in our living room about the about the vaccine and, and some of the relevances and some of the new uh, things that have come out, new research Trevor's found, and we had it back and forth about it. And the thing that, it, that, that very much bothered me about Aaron Rodgers is that I felt that... There was there were instances in his diatribe where I felt that he was being sincere about some of his worries, but that isn't what weighed the heaviest with the the things he wanted to get across. What I mean by that is this, because he said a bunch, and we can break it all down. We can go down here and do all of his quotes and all that stuff. But I'm not going to do that right now. I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to use a few key things about what he said that really upset me and and quite frankly concerned me that I want to point out. You, you're free to free guys to go and look at the articles or go watch the video. It's all over the internet, like Eddie said. It's everywhere. He he talks about about 15 minutes into the diatribe about there's a an allergy that he supposedly has to the MNRA vaccines, which are both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. So he said those those two were automatically out of the picture, and then he said J and J was on an option for him when he saw that they were recalled back in April. So he said that he basically couldn't take the vaccine based off of serious concern and serious health concerns. All right, but my issue with that two things is one. He didn't specify about what the allergy was. He just said he has an allergy, which seems very convenient, especially when considered point number two. The fact that he starts off the entire diatribe, and I almost can, I want to play it, but I'm not going to. Like I said, you guys play it for yourselves. He starts it off by saying, well, before, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with the woke mob, and before the final nail comes on my coffin from cancel culture, quote, 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 quote he goes down the line. He starts it off with that. And for us here on our show, just to bring a little comparison, when we start a show off with something, it's because I want that to be the core structure of what we're going to address and discuss. I want that to be, okay, focus on this. Yes, I want this to be the bullet point. I want this to be the, the drive home aspect to our show, right? We talk Chiefs. I start the show with Chiefs because I want us to talk Chiefs. I don't sit here and talk about crocheting. I don't sit here and talk about bag mitten. We talk about the core issue, right, with what we're, what we're talking about here at the Spoken Podcast. For me, Aaron Rodgers, whether he has that allergy or not, the fact that he brought that up first in addressing woke mob and cancel cultures and all these other things first tells me that's the driving force of what he's really combative of. And he's talking about these issues with the vaccines, well, if you go and research the J&J &J situation, there were four women that had blood clotting issues that were under the age of 50, because that's where the, low, the highest risk for clotting is, women under 50 with the J&J. &J. That's why they pulled it, and since then there have been no real issues with anybody with the J&J &J vaccine to that point. So even if his excuse of the J&J &J is faulty at best, 
And it's good. Again, Trevor, you brought up some good points. I'm sure you'll talk about it. I don't want to steal your thunder. But being a healthy person in the society is the is the core of being healthy, is having a strong immune system, taking care of your body, exercising, eating well, drinking plenty of water, taking your vitamins, all that stuff, which I believe Aaron Rodgers is one of those people, which is why some of the things that he's talking about is fine with me because that's the way you stay healthy more than just getting a vaccine. The problem, though, is that when he sits there and talks about the holistic style and processes that he's been going about fighting COVID as opposed to just simply getting vaxxed, when Pat McAfee finally started to ask questions, he goes, okay, well, you talk about this holistic stuff. He was really curious. You could tell Pat was like legitimately curious because Pat even said himself, Pat McAfee said himself, he goes, I know there are a lot of people that think just like you and feel just like you about this situation. So maybe you can maybe expand on how you're going about fighting COVID. Give us some for instances, because I know these people would like to probably go down the route you are to stay healthy. Aaron Rodgers goes, well, I'd like to keep that private. So imagine me, imagine me right now, guys, sitting on this show, telling you guys, after you asked me a question about, I have something that can legitimately fight COVID without you having to get vaccinated. And then when I, you ask me that question about what the process is, I sit here and say, I'm going to keep it private. That either makes me a real life prick or a real life liar or both, because it's telling me, it's telling you, the listening audience, I got this thing, but I can't tell you what it is. And to top it all off. I really hated this one for Joe Rogan because me and Trevor, both, we both love Joe Rogan. I love like his curiosity and his show, and he has all these great guests on. He's the greatest podcaster of all time, and it's not close. But Aaron brings Joe Rogan into the equation by saying, my good friend's giving me all this stuff. Like, Joe Rogan's now catching strays because people are like, oh, so Joe Rogan's a doctor he's now? My now, my, he's my, my, my now, now good, good friend. Good yeah. friend, yeah. So he obviously... So, so yeah, so so what he did is he cut, now Joe Rogan's getting brought into this when this is about Aaron Rodgers. This is not about Joe Rogan. If Joe Rogan wants to answer questions about COVID, he does it on his show. Don't bring him into this because you know what this does? This to me is just another example of Aaron Rodgers pointing the finger, placing the blame with other people because if it doesn't work out for Aaron Rodgers, it always comes back to, well, he did trust Joe Rogan. Well, he did trust these guys. And it's nothing wrong with trusting your friends and people that you, you know, confide in. But how in the world am I supposed to justify that when you're refusing to not trust science and the development and the scientific study of infectious disease? Whether you have trust issues with hospitals, doctors, scientists, or what have you, how does it make sense that you're going to just go and believe people that do not have adequate uh, uh, medical degrees and things of that nature, whether they're healthy people or not, but then you're going to sit here and push back on the people that do. It doesn't make sense to me whether you're vaxxed or unvaxxed. To me, I feel that this is just another sign of Aaron Rodgers being a defiant individual, somebody who does not like taking, uh, 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 first of all, responsibility for his own actions or inactions, and two, somebody that does not like abiding by the rules. He's sitting here talking about he's going through NFL protocol. He's abiding by the laws. No, he isn't. No, he hasn't. Because how we prove that? Unvaccinated players are people that are not supposed to take conference or press conferences outside of Zoom. You're not supposed to be in front of other people, especially unmasked, and he has done both. And he's sitting here talking about how the NFL is witch hunting him, and they're shaming individuals. Where is the proof of that? Because no one's been suspended for being unvaxxed. No one's been kicked out of the league for being unvaxxed. In fact, most of the unvaxxed players, unless they've tested positive, have played every game. Every single game, just like a vaccinated player. I respect Kirk Cousins and Kyrie Irving and guys like that even more so because of the fact that at least we knew what they stood for at the beginning. Yeah. Sitting here at a post-cut press conference when a guy literally asks you, 
Are you vaccinated? And you say, yeah, I'm immunized. That's not answering the question. You're being dishonest by deflecting from answering the question genuinely and truthfully. To me, that's just as good as a lie. I don't like what Aaron Rodgers has done. I think he's handled this horribly. If he was simply said, I have an allergy and I can't take the vaccines and I'm concerned about the J&J, I feel that he would have been received a lot better, especially from people like me who research this shit themselves than as opposed to sitting here trying to be deceitful and then going on the Pat McAfee show and acting like it's everyone else's fault. Yeah, um, I'm not going to go too deep into the vax stuff because, I mean, this has been an ongoing thing in reality and sports everywhere. Um, I'm just going to address, and I will address what you said to start your question off with with him claiming that he spoke to an NFL official. NFL doctor, yeah. NFL doctor, and then they immediately said, no, you didn't. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna wash that because that's it's it's a word against word. There's no documentation of them two meeting if they did or didn't. So it's basically just the NFL just saying no, he didn't. And him saying yeah, I did. So like that 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 I just don't even want to go down that road because it's literally a word against word and no one's ever gonna know. Um, I don't think he would just straight up lie that he talked to a doctor. But at this point, this is what I'm gonna address. I'm gonna address the personality flaw here with Aaron Rodgers, and it's unfortunately what made me love him so much is his blunt honesty, his his way of being thorough when he speaks, his way of articulating things in a very honest and upfront manner. And he did he he didn't do that this time. He had a chance to do that. He had a chance to be honest when he when he was asked if he was uh, vaccinated. He had a chance just to be honest and get it out there and get it out of the way, which he normally does. I mean we saw just this offseason when he was going out there and completely threw the entire Packers franchise under the bus and just was blunt about everything, said he, you know, he was not happy and blah, 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 saying he's just – that's what made Aaron Rodgers so great, you know, telling fan the fan base just to relax, spelling it out for them really nice and slow. It's just who he's been. He's always been cool and just like, you know what, fuck it. He's like that fucking – he's the dude. You know, he's always had – he had that – just that the dude mentality. He's like, it's chill, man. Like, he's always been that guy. And this is just a bad look for him, man. It was – like I said, what – What's made me love him so for so long, as the as just the person, let alone the incredible talent that he is on the football field, but the person like I've always in my personal life kind of tried to replicate that as well because that's just a it's a it's a magnetic personality that he's always had and that's what made him a, a great leader on the field. But it, 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 that's that's the reason I'm upset right now because he he refused to be that when he was asked that question, uh, and he he was very deceitful and that is. What's made me respect him so much throughout his career um, is made me disrespect him at this point right now, and it's, and it's definitely disappointing for me as an avid fan of him personally and a player-wise uh, to sit here and have to have this conversation about him being a liar. Uh, and that's what he is right now, and he he doubled down on some of his ignorance on that Pat McAfee show. I agree with some of the things he was saying, and I have no problem with um, as far as the vaccination stuff goes. There's not one way to attack a virus, guys. There's more than one way to attack a virus. And we can talk about, yeah, he's wealthy, he's healthy, he's got all this access to other things, sure. I mean, the healthy and wealthy have a lot of access to a lot of things on the daily that we just don't have. And I'm not going to get mad at someone for having access to things that I just can't go by and, and treat this virus with outside of a vaccination. So him taking the literally far more extreme route to fight the virus instead of getting the vaccine, I get it. I, I, I mean, I, I get why people want to be upset about that. He did everything but just get the shot. It's much easier to get the shot. I get that. Uh, the majority of this league has gotten the shot, and this is uh, what's made him a great leader is coming back to bite him in the ass right now. So he's he's kind of doubled down on something I didn't think he would, and he's he's looking pretty ignorant ignorant right now overall. Even though there are some things that he said I do agree with, I don't have or I don't have a problem with. I should say, um, but yeah, he's definitely put his foot in his mouth and try to make light of a serious situation. 
Um, had some narcissistic clips in there, and that's unfortunate. Um, narcissism isn't always a bad thing. It sometimes can be good for leadership, if we're being honest. If you want to go into the psyche of narcissism, that's a deep subject. But um, yeah, this is this this it's reverted back on him, and he's kind of putting his foot in his own mouth, and that's uh, unfortunate. Um, I don't think he's ever going to recover from this. To be honest with you, uh, this is something that's just get a black mark on his career for the rest of his career. Um, I always love him as a player. I always love him as an individual. But this is definitely like one of those like, like if it was like one of my brothers or someone that I was like I support, or a good friend of mine. I'm like, dude, you look like a fucking dumbass right now. Like, cut you deep. Yeah, you should have just been honest from the jump. And I think he knows that, and there's no fixing that. But he should have doubled down on on what he did wrong. He should have just been. He, he was not apologetic at all. That was my biggest problem. Um, a real man, and I don't want to. I hate saying a real man because there's no such thing. Um, because everyone's different in their own way, but a real hum- humble leader would address his his arrogance and will address when he where he was wrong and he didn't do that. And he had a big ass chance to do that. Uh, a lot of coverage, you know, thirty five minute diatribe where he had a chance to do that didn't do it once. And that's my biggest problem with that whole scenario. Uh, the vaccine thing is a whole other subject. You can go down that road. Um, I'm a proponent of health first before I am anyone getting a shot, but the shot makes sense for the overall people that don't take care of themselves. I'm going to say just one more thing, and I I don't want to keep going on and on. I know Trevor and I talked about this. I don't want to make an entire segment on it. Two other things, though, he did say that did bother me was uh, when he talked about sterility sterility or whatever it is when you're sterile, basically. Yeah, so he was afraid because he said he one day wants to be a father, uh, which is great. He said that he's concerned the vaccine would actually do that. Now, not to jump too far into the vaccine, but you can actually research this yourself. This isn't me bringing up conspiracies or my own biased take. It is actually proven in science that a non-active, non-live vaccine, which is the COVID-19 vaccine and the booster included, do not cause any sterile uh, uh, malfunctions with the human with the human body, the that male body. Like 5G yeah, it, it, because because the non-live, non uh, non uh, active vaccines only last in your body up to about a month to six weeks. Mm. So they leave your body, they train your cells how to fight the virus, and then they exit your body, yeah. which means that they can't sit there and cause more issues long term. It's impo- almost impossible. I know you like saying there's no absolutes, yeah. but in science, when things are proven time and time again, that knows that does borderline uh, an absolute. Yeah, and, and, and I will say this too: there's there have just quite frankly. That's a dishonest quote from him because there just hasn't been enough time to even establish exactly. That fact. That's my point. Yeah, he's, he's making that into like a, a thing. Not, yeah, that's not even a risk right now because we haven't had enough time to establish the longevity. And he talked about the 500 the pages he had of research. It's like, don't you think the 500 pages of research would have shown you that? Because I just did a quick Google search on like three different car- <laughs> cross references, and they all proved this to be true. And the last thing, real quick, is I felt that he was extremely disrespectful to uh, black people as a whole. <laughs> Quite frankly, when he brought up MLK, reason why is he said that he used. The quote, and I understand using the quote, but he compared himself in I don't a think sense he compared to compared himself to MLK, man. If you use a quote from someone, that's him comparing the situation, not necessarily. If you use a quote to to promote how you feel, that's not necessarily him comparison, him comparing himself directly to MLK. I didn't take it that way, but I mean, if some people took it that way, I, I get it. I, honestly, at first, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Because I, I'm, 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 I'm going to just say it. I'm looking at it from a white guy's perspective. I'm seeing it like, oh, well, you know, it's a quote. And then I listened to a few people that I trust, black people that I heard this out, and it did really it bothered them because he basically the way they took it was he basically tried to use what he's fighting, quote unquote, is the same thing that Martin Luther King was fighting for, as in freedom to do. Because he brought up my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. He tried to use that as because he said it literally right after the MLK quote. He goes, "What happened to my body, my choice?" 
He still doesn't get the reason why people are getting vaccinated. He's still using this as a an attack on me type of thing, as in what MLK went through, attack on me for being black yeah, think, in America. It's wrong. It's less attacking him for just not getting vaccinated. It's, it's the way he lied. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying the justifications. It's, it's the that's the biggest problem. The justifications in the video, though, of Pat McAfee is what made it worse, though. Yeah. Because no, he, he was doubling down on his Exactly. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not that he was just deceitful. Yeah, it's that now he's addressing him. the deceit and saying it's okay to be deceitful. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. <laughs> down on being deceitful and that's when he got back into a corner i was expecting more from him i wanted to have a more honest an approach. ounce of humility there was just zero ounce? yeah there was zero humility <laughs> and that humility reflects leadership and and vice versa and that was my biggest problem with him man is his lack of leadership which yep. i always have credited him for being that so yeah, I'm just gonna, it's disappointing i'm just gonna say that vax on vax i don't care uh it, it is true your body your choice that that's your total at least uh protect yourself and protect other people mm-hmm. I, I don't that, that that's that, that's what it comes down to i don't care if you're vaxxed i don't care if you're unvaxxed i i really don't i think if protect, you're an unhealthy individual you absolutely yeah pro- protect 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 those around you protect those that you don't know and you, let's say you go to a grocery store protect those people protect those people that can't really take a vaccine because they are either allergic to it or they're just afraid to take the vaccine because of side effects or something like that protect those people don't just be arrogant and say fuck it just i'm young i'm not gonna die don't just, i don't yeah as far as the mlk quote goes i just want to say this real quick i think think he was comparing he was using that as a similar he was using that similar approach to his situation i don't think he's comparing the situation i don't think he's comparing himself to mlk in any way i think he's just taking that quote and he's like you know that's kind of my approach to this the problem though is that he still looks at himself as a victim Yo, yeah, and when yeah. he's using MLK quotes to question the, the I norm, I just don't want this to become a race thing. I think that's. I don't want. I don't either. I, that's the thing no. is, I don't want either. I had to make mention of it though because other black folks and the media have brought that up. Like, hold on, you can't look at yourself first of all as a victim in this when you created this scenario MLK yourself. Correct. And, and MLK was a victim because Correct. of the color of his skin, something yeah. he couldn't avoid. You know what I mean? The 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 one thing that does really bother me from Aaron Rodgers is his his whole treatment to treat COVID. His side treatment to 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 he not take even, he give to, us not, the... to not take the vaccine. What yeah. bothered me is him not saying what that exactly. treatment was because there is people in the same situation that he is in and don't know about that thing that he's doing to not take the vaccine. He said he went to the NFL with with the representation supposedly of of his stance and what he's doing to combat COVID. You're talking about the immunization and, 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 and process. He, yeah, and he said they he thought it was a quack. The he's okay, well then post it. Yeah. Post, uh, give us your breakdown of what you're doing. You pretty much listed everything Joe Rogan listed. Exactly. Which is fine. Ivermectin is a, is a great medical treatment. It's, it's been used for, it's, a, it's an award-winning, Nobel Prize-winning molecule that's been used in a lot of different things and has been beneficial for society for 100 years. So there's nothing wrong with ivermectin, but it's become called a horse dewormer for some reason because it's inside of some horse dewormer. This is not, this is not the conversation I really wanted to have here, but yeah, I mean, he listed off some, some medications that he's taken, but he didn't go into the process of what he used to be immunized is what he wants to call it. So yeah. 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 So that's it for me. It's unfortunate. Good Eddie Hour. We're going to move right along with this show, guys. We only have a couple more seconds for you because the mailbag seems to be a little bit of a desert right now. You guys aren't giving us a lot in the mailbag, and I don't believe Stan Simmons even left us a message. Guys, we're getting left on red over here. What's going on, man? We're, we're, we we got to step our game up a little <laughs> ghosted, bit. Ghosted. So let, let's get let's get right into it, man. Uh, kind of pretty much segueing from the Aaron Rodgers situation as to why he's where he's at is why we are where we're at. We're looking at a Packers and Chiefs matchup. 
that we did not expect. Yeah. Uh, after that Giants game, I ain't going to lie to you guys, I was fully prepared to come in here and say the Chiefs are going to lose. <laughs> and it was going to be the first game I, of this season I Same. picked the Chiefs to lose Same. since our predictions. Because obviously as the season goes on, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was anticipating <laughs> that, hey, the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to come in here and do what they want to do and put a real damper on the season because the Chiefs feel like, Chiefs fans feel like the team is building off the, some of these wins, the defense is getting better, the offense can finally wake up, all these things. And then we get the news that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to miss not just this game against the Chiefs, but also against the Seahawks next week because he's going to, at, at the earliest, be back next Saturday, which there's no way he's playing if he's only going to be able to show up on Saturday the day before the game. We'll see, but I highly doubt it. I think he's one of those players that could, though. So, well, now the Chiefs are now going against a quarterback that none of us have really seen anything from. Uh, we did see him in the Saints game or late in the game because the Saint, the Packers absolutely got steamrolled and Aaron Rodgers didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> he was sick of that. Let's go to week two. You now are going to see a Chiefs defense going against a young quarterback that is unproven like we've seen three times this year against Jalen Hurts, Taylor Henneke, and Daniel Jones. And the reason why I feel extremely good about this game now isn't the fact that all of a sudden the Packers are this bad team. But see, when you have a great quarterback, your team a lot of times looks better than what it really is. And I know that sounds like, oh, well, no shit. But the Packers especially. I think the Packers have a damn good roster. I think they have a damn good running game. I think they have awesome weapons on the offensive side. I think Alan Lazard has really uh, surprised a lot of people to become a legitimate wide receiver too. I think Randall Cobb's been good enough as an aging veteran to really give them that third option. Uh, It really sucks for them to lose Robert Tunyon because he's been effective this year. But having A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in the backfield is such a killer behind a good, not maybe borderline great offensive line. And their defense is fringe top 10, like 10, 11, 12 in the NFL. Really good defense. They're good at getting the ball, forcing turnovers and takeaways. They've been top five the last few weeks. But when you lose the, 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 the mecca of what you are, which is Aaron Rodgers, there's a reason why Bovada and Vegas as a whole went from it being a pick'em game to now a seven-point. The Chiefs are laying seven points now. Like, that's a significant, you're talking about an entire touchdown difference. That is an extreme swing, guys. Now, I'm not saying that the spread has really anything to do with what's going to happen because we know the Chiefs are terrible against the spread. Yeah. They are horrible. One of the worst teams in the NFL. Favorite. Yeah, they were 10 point favorites against the Giants. Yeah. One by fucking three. So you, you want a best bet. You pick the under every single time. Yeah, you don't yeah. pick the Chiefs plus whatever or minus whatever. Especially you pick to, for the other team to cover the spread. So. This game, to me, guys, is really just going to come down to something that is very simple, and I know it's not going to sound like groundbreaking hot take stuff right here. It's simple. You have to keep a young quarterback looking like a young quarterback. If the Chiefs defense is legit changed, if the Chiefs defense has legitimately changed their ways and are at a different trajectory now, and now that you got the most talented guys out there with Willie Gay and Nick Bolton who are revolutionizing this defense supposedly, and Chris Jones is finally at his natural position again, go out there and do it. Go out there and make Jordan Love's night a living hell on national television because this is going to be a game. Half the the nation is going to be watching this game. It's a 325 game on Fox. A lot of people are going to be tuning into this one because everyone was expecting the State Farm Bowl. Well, now we're getting the young Farm Bowl, man, because this is a kid that can legitimately take over for Aaron Rodgers next season. There's a lot riding on this game for not just the Chiefs because Chiefs lose this game. Their playoff chances are pretty much null and void at this point because yeah. you're 4-5 and five and a good AFC. I mean, I know I know there's teams that are struggling right now. Chargers are struggling. Broncos suck. I mean, you know, you go the down Raiders. the list. The Bills, the Bills struggled against the Dolphins, believe it or not, this last week. There's a lot of openings for the Chiefs, which is why it's so frustrating. They're so bad this year in an, in an AFC that is as open as it's been in over two decades. 
But this game actually means to me more than for the Packers. Not just short-term, but also long-term. Because they're right now, currently, if I'm not mistaken, the Packers are the one seed. Because they beat the Cardinals, who are the one seed. Now they have that tiebreaker. I believe they're the one seed in the NFC. They lose this game. They're no longer the one seed, right? They lose next week if they don't have Aaron Rodgers. They're falling to the four seed. So you're talking about the only one seeds get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And how much how much it would set up perfectly for the Packers? Think of it this way. All these warm climate teams like the Cardinals and the Rams and all these other teams that are up there, that even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing down in their hot Florida, they would have to go up to Green Bay in the cold yeah. if they get the one seed. So it is imperative that Jordan Love plays well in this game to keep them afloat while they're trying to get Aaron Rodgers back. Mm-hmm. And for the long term as well for the Packers, if Jordan Love goes out there and torches the Chiefs for 315 yards and three touchdowns or even bring it down a little bit, 280 yards and two touchdowns, but looks really good and is efficient, completing 68 70% of his passes, and then goes and beats Seattle next week, all of a sudden you have multiple trade options. You can trade Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, or if you still want to stick with Aaron, you can trade this young player that really bowled out for two weeks like Jimmy G did back when uh, Brady was uh, suspended, yeah. how they got all that draft a- a capital in return because teams believe in young quarterbacks. So if you get Jordan Love to play well in this game, all of a sudden, man, you have some serious options as the Packers. So there's a lot riding on this game, even more so than for the Chiefs because the Chiefs, they know who they are right now. They have Patrick Mahomes in place. Andy Reid's going nowhere. This team just has to figure out some shit. But the Packers have a lot right in this game. So I don't want people to think, because Jordan loves the quarterback, that they're going to come in here and lay down. No, the Packers want to win this game. And I think they have a very good chance of winning this game. If the Chiefs defense goes in there and makes Jordan Love's nights hard and difficult and make, and does not let him feel comfortable in that pocket, Chiefs are going to win this game. Because I don't believe that the Chiefs offense is going to be terrible in this game. I know I know it sounds nuts, because yeah. the Packers defense is going to be one of the better defenses the Chiefs face. But I think if the Chiefs defense gives the, the Patrick Mahomes offense more possessions and more opportunities, they're going to score just enough points to get out of this one alive. Yeah, this is there's this there's a simple objective stepping into this week. And the first thing that came to my mind immediately as soon as I knew Aaron Rodgers was out was blitz the fuck out of Jordan Love. We need to blitz him. We need to blitz him. We need to bring pressure up the middle of Chris Jones. Give Melvin Ingram minutes. Let him go get after him. Let him, I know he's fired up. He has a chip on his shoulder after being pretty much completely disrespected by the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and they may be they maybe have a valid point too. I don't know. We gotta see what we got in him, but I think this is a great opportunity just to go let him play some football and get after a quarterback. Um, Frank Clark needs to continue what he did last week. We just, this is I, I I'm not worried. I, I I think the offense is going to be okay. Granted, this is a tough secondary. This is a good secondary and a good with the Williams brothers. Is Jerry Alexander back? I No, I don't think he's back. Okay. I think he's still out. But they've um, King, I think, is their other guy. Yeah. They have some good corners still. And they, they were good as a unit. And a good uh, front seven. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, this, this defense has been tops, really. Top top five, top eight all year. Um, so they, outside of week one, they, they pretty much have been great. Um, so I'm not worried about Jordan Love because – I don't really know what to expect, so I'm not going to worry about something I don't know, have knowledge of what he is yet. He could go out there and light us up. Who knows? Um, I mean, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones are still going to be on the field, so that's worrisome as it is against our defense. But I think our defense has a great opportunity here. We can't let this slip by. This is an The football gods just gave us a, a big pass here. Because, <laughs> like you said, I was ready to like, well – Let's talk about how much we're going to get beat by. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many touchdowns is Aaron Rodgers going to throw to Devontae Adams yeah. against our secondary? Yep. Uh, that's what, that was going to be my conversation to start off. But this is completely a gift uh, from the football gods. So we got to go get after Jordan Love. We cannot let allow him to get comfortable in Arrowhead. That, 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 our fan base needs to be ruckus. We need to be loud. 
Uh, it's an evening game. It's a great spot for us uh, to take advantage of, of something that broke our way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, going objective number one for this team, this coaching, this 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 coaching staff, this, this pra- our practices is just to go scare the hell out of Jordan Love. He's a football player, so I, got, I give him credit. They draft him. This is a, this is a, a true quarter in this league for now. Uh, but we need to go break this kid. I don't give a damn. We need to go break him. That's objective number one. I think our offense will put up points. Um, granted, I wasn't impressed by our offense the last few weeks. Uh, but I think this is definitely a get right, get right spot. Our, I think our offense can only be down so long, and I think this is a. I think I think Pat's going to have to get juiced up for this one. Let me say something real quick before we go to Eddie. Um, the, the thing about for me in this game is that I'm actually encouraging for Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to get the ball a lot. The reason why that is, it's not just because of the fact that that's actually how you beat teams in the NFL is getting them run the ball more. They're good, yeah. Well, they're really good, but here's the thing: yeah, yeah, the, really one, the one strength the Chiefs' defense has had since Week Two is the rush defense. Yeah. They've actually played good rush defense over the last five, oh, six maybe. weeks. Yeah. It's it's really I, I'm gonna I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm giving the Chiefs defense some credit here. Mm. I think if the if Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon rush for thirty plus times, the Chiefs are gonna win this game. As mm. crazy as that sounds, because the Packers are one of the best run offenses in the NFL. Mm. They are so good at running the ball. But the thing is, the Chiefs know that. And the Chiefs knew that against the Titans. The Chiefs knew that against uh, the, even the Chargers, who Eckler did jack shit against the Chiefs in the run game. So my point in that is saying that as the Chiefs feel more confident as a defense, and if Spagnuolo's defense do get better progressively as the season goes on, this is a recipe for the Chiefs to really finally make a fucking statement. Yeah. And we're saying that every week, but this actually is that opportunity because, again, they've had success. They're 3-0 against young quarterbacks, and the Chiefs, since 2013, when Andy Reid took over, are 23 and eight against first and second year quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a really good stat. So this should feel good about the Chiefs because we have no idea what we're going to get out of Jordan Love. He could be awesome, he could be all right, or he could be really bad. The fact is, the Chiefs, like you said, Trevor, make pressure, make pressure. Have Frank Clark go against because we don't know if Bakhtiari is playing this game either. Yeah. And on the offensive side of things, real quick, and I'm going to hand this over to Eddie. On the offensive side of things, the way that I think the Chiefs need to attack the Packers is if they're going to try to throw the ball deep in this game, it needs to be immediately. I'm saying force the Packers to push back, because I know that sounds crazy because they're going to play cover two anyway, but like Trevor said earlier about how you still have to take those hits, I want to see the first play be a play-action 50-yard pass to McCole Hardman. Had the Bucks last year. Yeah, fu- yes, game. immediately. As soon as the play, the first play, a play-action, I want to see Patrick Mahomes under center, which we never see. Under center, fakes it off to Darrell Williams and chucks one deep. Even if it ends an incompletion, it's five, six yards off. I want that to be the first play, and then I want to see them go methodical. RPO handoff, RPO handoff. You know, get get five yards, five yards, first down, and then start doing the little dinks and dunks. That's going to freak this Packers defense out because they're going to expect they're going to probably try to start this one off because they know we're going to run that cover too. No, hit them and hit them hard early. Force them to make guesses. Because right now, the Chiefs offense is so predictable that you can sit here and say, I know what they're doing right here. We have not seen the Chiefs on the first play of any drive this season chuck the ball deep. Not one single time. It's always been a... <laughs> You know, a little RPO. Wow. You know, those are cool. I like those plays. But if you go out there and do what you think they would expect to play the mind game on their mind game, all of a sudden this Chiefs offense can click. 
And I think that's what needs to happen. They need to get confidence early. Because once this offense loses their confidence, you see how they struggle for all four quarters. That's Bring the pressure, rhythm. yes. I mean, if you're a jump shooter and you know, you're missing, you're going to have an off night, it's hard to overcome that. But if you see one go in and you swish that motherfucker. Thank you. Why do you think, you why do you think on timeouts, yeah. when guys are shooting, they block it? They don't yeah. want you to see that go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah it's the same s- thing. They don't want you to see it go in. Because then you'll feel confident about it. They see Patrick Holmes get a 50-yard chuck that goes for 65 yards to Tyreek Hill, even if it's not a touchdown, just a huge play. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're going to see those shoulders. Yeah. You can see Patrick Mahomes do that little shoulder shrug. He starts feeling himself, man. All of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense comes back. The Packers don't want that on a thir- on a 3:30 game when Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are sitting here breaking down the game. No, you want to you want to take Let's it to the Packers it. early and often because this is even without Aaron Rodgers is one of the three best teams the Chiefs are going to face all season long. If the Chiefs go in there and man and, and absolutely manhandle that defense, we're talking about a different team all of a sudden, guys. Because I do believe there is life on that defensive side. I do think the Chiefs have something at linebacker because their biggest weakness for years now since Derek Johnson retired in 2017 has been what? Linebacker. Nick Bolton and Willie Gay look unbelievable. If those guys are the truth and Hitchens can just play that Sam, all of a sudden you have the linebacker situation take care of. That means your defense is that much better because then the front seven is that much better, which means Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and Melvin Ingram, who, by the way, I wanted all offseason, all of a sudden becomes one of the deadlier front sevens of football. They just got to go out there and fucking do it against a banged-up Packers offense. Yeah, man. Uh as, as opposed to you guys, I think this is going to be a, one of those low-scoring, boring games. I, I think uh, Aaron Rodgers being out, I think it's going to take the fun away from, from that offense, from the Packers offense. And I think this defense is going to be good enough to, to stop the run, to, to, to uh, put the pressure on, uh, on uh, Jordan Love. But we've also seen in the, the past eight, uh, seven weeks of the Chiefs' uh, offensive football, the turnovers, the bad, the bad plays from Mahomes, the bad, play, the bad uh, catches from the receivers that don't, don't, don't catch anything. I think this is going to be one of those ugly, uh, low-scoring games. I think it's going to be one of those boring games. I think this team, both teams, are going to be too conservative in plays. I, I, I think they're just. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to want to go and, and score a lot, but obviously those those. Uh, Factors that I mentioned earlier with them struggling and all that stuff, I, I think those are going to be key in this game. I think they're going to keep on struggling, especially against the Packers defense. Uh, and obviously, Jordan Love being that rookie, uh, well, he's not a rookie, but being that basically. new, yeah, pretty much basically being that new guy in that in the often in that offense, he's going to struggle because the Chiefs, the Chiefs defense has stepped up a little bit in the past two weeks, uh, but the competition that we've played in the past two weeks hasn't been. I would say the greatest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can see, uh, I can see uh, the, uh, the 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 Packers uh, often struggle a little bit because I think the Chiefs are getting a little bit better at defense. Uh, offensive wise, like I said, I do think we're gonna struggle. Uh, I think the 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 offense is gonna it's gonna be slow at clicking. I think they're gonna start clicking towards. The second half, kind of like what they've been usually doing, do, yeah. yeah, what they've been usually doing, and I think it's gonna be a little too too late, or or if if it is not too late, it's just gonna be too close of a game. Uh, it might come down to a field goal at the end. Uh, that, I guess. Well, I mean, we, we, so we've talked about the things that we expect the defense to do in the positive, and what they, we we can expect the, the offense to do, and just not turn yeah. the ball over and be a, a, a you know yes. a, a competent. Yes, that's what we hope for. What are the things that we think could go wrong as far as? So obviously, I think our our one of our I think maybe our weakest point on our defense is the running backs in the passing game. 
because we even saw Saquon Barkley's backup, uh, um, um, Devontae Par- or Devontae, uh, what's his, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, anyways, he the the running back for the Giants last week. He was eating us up too in those in those you know dink and dunk passes and some big chunk play. He had that really big play in the that that pass to him, and he got like thirty five some yards mm-hmm. on that play. So the biggest strength that I mean, we could talk about how good of a rusher. Uh, um, um, Aaron Jones is, but yeah. he's even better in the passing game. Yeah. He's like an Alvin Kamara-esque type of running back. Which he's is that, why AJ Dillon has popped so much because he's running the ball. Which is what scares well. me the most is is we can we can talk about Bolton being in there stuff in the run. Mm-hmm. He, could, he could stop the rushes, but what happens when there's a pass yes. over his head yeah. being thrown to Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones, we know can take it to the house. Yeah, and that's when Willie Gay's there. athleticism has really shined because while you have Nick Bolton getting in the backfield, you have Willie Gay that's checking the eyes of the quarterback, and you saw him capitalize on bad quarterback decisions, which usually is an indication that happens with young quarterbacks that have little experience. Jordan Love is the least experienced quarterback yeah. in the NFL right now. But you know he has he's zero starts. He's dunks to Aaron Jones. That's yeah, going to be going to probably catch six passes at least. And that's where I want to segue to where you guys think the key players are of this matchup, offensively and defensively. I have two. I think that in this game in particular, because Trevor, you mentioned the secondary. And this has been one of the guys that have been the, one of the more consistent. I know it sounds crazy because he had up and down games, but he overall has been more one of the more consistent players. It is Tyreek Hill. I think if Tyreek Hill has a big game, when you see Tyreek Hill have big games, the Chiefs don't lose. When was the last time you guys saw Tyreek Hill have 150 yards and they lose? I think it was the Rams game. Yeah. That was no. three years ago. And so we, we completely leaned on him last week. Yeah, you know he had 18 targets yeah, last yeah. week. I don't think that changes. Yeah. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball to him 12 to 15 it's times. A formula. Just get the ball in his hands. Get the ball to yeah, Tyreek's hands. Yeah. I really think if Tyreek has a big game, the Chiefs are going to win this game and win it by a touchdown. I think the spread they actually could cover a spread. Mm. So on the offensive side, as, as as typical <laughs> as it sounds, I believe it's going to be another Tyreek Hill big game. He could have 111, 115 yards, a touchdown or two. I don't know what I'm getting out of Travis Kelsey because I think he is battling an injury and he's fighting through it i think another week maybe even getting him to the bye week and letting him rest you're going to start to see travis kelsey come back at the end of the season but tyree kills my offensive guy my defensive guy it has to be tyron matthew the reason why is because of the fact that against a young quarterback you know what they do trevor one of the biggest mistakes young quarterbacks do yeah. is they stare down receivers if tyron matthew is watching those th- those eyes and so is willie gay I think this could be a game where Jordan Matthew has multiple Jordan Matthew Jordan Love has multiple turnovers, and I think the Tyron can be one of those guys because what did Lamar do? Lamar stared his receiver down that first drive. Tyron just stood the right position and took that bad boy and took it to the house. I think this could be a game where we see a defensive touchdown. I think that you could see a pick six in this game where the Chiefs defense really steps up and breaks Jordan Love's confidence early in this game with a pick six. Who better than Tyron Matthew? Those are my two guys, Tyreek Hill and to- the Toxic Avenger himself, Tyron Matthew. Trevor? Yeah, um, offensively, I think this has got to be a try. This, Travis Kelsey, he's been down for, what, two and a half, pretty three much games. two and a half weeks, almost three whole games where he's been pretty much non-existent. I know he's, he's possibly banged up right now, but I think this is a game where he, when we get in the red zone, we keep it simple. We throw to our bigs. That'd be nice. He's big. That'd be nice. Jordan or uh, uh, Josh Gordon's big, big. <laughs> right? So we and we just hired another tight end. Those guys are big. He's also let's big. Throw, yeah, let's throw some high footballs. <laughs> let's throw some footballs high in the air where the bigs can big. go get them. You hear so that, Mahomes? Bigger than these corners. They're bigger than these safeties. Throw the ball high, Pat. Jason Dunn, our guy, Jason Dunn, would be so proud of you right now. Just, just throw the ball high, Pat. When you get in the red zone, throw to your guys that are six four and up. It's simple. They're taller than all these all these other corners and safeties. They're not going to get up and get that ball. Throw to where they can get it. I think this is a game where we get into the red zone. I think we'll get in the red zone fairly consistency, consistently. Um, and I think this is a game where he may not have the receptions or the yards, but I think this is a game where Travis Kelsey can have two touchdowns. 
And I want to see it. And I know Travis Kelsey wants to see it. And I know Pat wants to see it because that connection is real. And it's one of the greatest duos of all time. And I think that needs to, they need to write that ship this weekend. I think that's where this is a game where he may not have the overall incredible game that we're used to where it's 100 plus, nine catches, you know, multiple touchdowns. But I think this is a game where he could get multiple touchdowns uh, in the red zone. I think we need to keep it simple, man. Just throw the ball to Kelsey in the red zone. It's not hard. He's big. He's strong. He's tall. He'll get up and get those footballs. Him or Josh Gordon, I think we could, there's a good chance we're seeing Josh Gordon. I just want to throw that out there. I think this is a chance where we can finally get him involved in the, on the red zone offense at least. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. He has hops. Just get the ball in the air to him. He can get it. Stop throwing to the feet, Pat. So I think Travis Kelsey's my guy. I think he can get a couple, couple, uh, uh, get in the, the pay dirt a couple times this week. I want to see it. Defensively, I was going to go Tyron Matthew. I'm just going to go Tyron Matthew. I agree with you 100%. I think this is one of those games where he's been saying it for the last couple of weeks. They're going to throw the ball my way eventually. I'm going to get the ball eventually. I agree. I believe him, and I this is he's yep. always been a ball hawk. Um, I think this is a game where he's going to bait Jordan Love into a couple errant throws, and he's going to completely just gotcha rookie. And I know he's not a rookie, but this is pretty much his first NFL start. So I think this is a game where he's going to bait him into a couple bad throws, or make him think he's got somebody open and he's really not, and he's going to cover that ground and get a, a couple, maybe a pick. I think he, this is a game where he can get a nice pick and a sack. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to utilize him in the blitz packages as well because those blitzes. With Tyron Matthew are so effective. Yeah, he's so good on the blitz. Regardless if we want to talk about him making business decisions and not laying people out, I think this is a game where he's going to go take advantage of this young blood. And I think I think he's out for blood. Uh, so I I fully am on board with you. I think this is absolutely a Tyron Matthew game. He's going to feast on this youngster. I got to see it. He's got to see it. He needs that game, quite frankly. <laughs> he needs to get the fan base back on his side. So I think this is one of those games where he's going to go out there and just have a, a, a vintage Tyron Matthew game and just be feisty. As hell. Two votes for the Toxic Avenger. Who, Eddie, who are your offense and defensive players? Oh, offense and defense. Uh, for the offense, I, I'm going to give it to the running game. I, I think the I, I think the, the running game, this it, well, it's multiple players, but the running game, I think this, this is going to be that game where they're going to be utilized a little more. That is uh, how you beat the Packers. Yes, I think that's how you beat the Packers this game. Uh, just, you know, keep keep rushing the ball. Don't go to your old antics and try to make a home run play every single play. I think this is the game where you, you do that Alex Smith kind of playbook with a with lot of running <clears> game. And I think this running game – it's it's gonna get it's get, it's gonna get theirs. So I think that that's that's my key for the offense, and then for the defense, I'm just gonna go Chris Jones. I think if you move Chris Jones back in the inside, back in the defensive, uh, def, uh, was defensive, it? defensive de- tackle, defensive yeah. tackle position where he that's his natural position. I think you're gonna see him and Jen Reed kind of go and kind of tag team. Uh, Jordan Love put that pressure. Uh, if Frank Clark plays the same way uh, he played la- uh, last week. I don't know how hurt he is. I don't know if it was just he, a little, he was a full participant all week. Report. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if Frank Clark plays to the same level he played last week or remotely close to it, I think that's going to free up Chris Jones a little bit more, and I think he will get there and put that pressure on Jordan Love, which is what we need. Uh, put that pressure on a on a, such a young quarterback because they'll they'll start panicking. They'll start trying to get the ball out early out of their hands. Uh, they will rely too much on the probably of the run game. Uh, that's where you you can have Nick Bolton come in. So I think Chris Jones is going to be a key piece this oh, this, yeah. this game. One word: Who wins, Trevor? Uh, I'm picking the Chiefs. I, I think that I mean if ooh, this is a huge opportunity. If we we're not playing Aaron Rodgers, guys. Like it's simple as that. Like Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest to some. I mean. That's a that, that that is a gift from the football gods. I'll say it again. Like if we don't win this game, I don't know what to say, man. Like I get it. This is a good this is a good defense we're going up against, but we're not playing Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the guys. Like we our defense has to capitalize on that. 
Andy Reid has to drop a proper game plan to get this W. I don't care how you do it. Just go get this W. You cannot squander this opportunity. You're playing a damn near rookie quarterback making his first NFL start. You can't, you can't lose this game. You can't drop this game. So I think it's a must win. I think, I think the, I think the team and the coaches and players are approaching this as a must win game because it was a must win game already before when we knew we were playing Aaron Rodgers. We had to go out there and win this game. We had to go out there and play a, our A plus game to go beat Aaron Rodgers. So I think we should keep that same mindset. Whoever is playing quarterback at this point, but we now know we can smell blood because we're some, there's some young blood on that football field. And I expect a W this week. Ooh, uh, fuck! I, I don't know. But, uh, you gotta give us a pick, man. Uh, who are you who are you picking, Eddie? I know Billy Hodges after you after that Bucks uh, Bucks loss pick you made last year, but you gotta give us what you honestly believe. It's whatever you got, man. I'm just gonna go with the hotter team. I think I gotta go with the Packers. I, I, I think they're just the hotter team. Though Aaron Rodgers is not playing, I get it. I think they just have have enough talent in that in that team that they, they can pull out a victory, especially the the way the Chiefs are playing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm with Trevor on this that I think that this is a must win for the Chiefs, but here's the thing. Since about week two, week three, every game's been a must win for the Chiefs. For sure. um, so, you're right, but I'm saying that I think that the mentality has not been that every game's a must win at this point. The Chiefs have just been very lax at a place where they feel that, oh, we can just go out there and just be us and win. That's no longer the case, like we talked about all throughout the show. The, the league has figured out the Chiefs to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So, now I'm looking at this just from the naked eye and I'm making a pick. Okay. Do I still believe that Patrick Mahomes is the guy that he is? He hasn't been it lately, but do I believe that guy's still there? Yes. Do I believe that they will lose to a quarterback that's making his first start in Arrowhead in a big game? Again, a game that's just as big for the Packers as it is for the Chiefs. No. I cannot, with any conviction, pick the Packers in this game based on those things. So I am going to pick the Chiefs in this game. Do I feel confident about that? Actually, yes, and here's the reason why. Because, again, I still believe this team has what it takes to win and to get to a Super Bowl. Have they had it to this point? No. But I have to believe that at some point this team, if I do believe in them as much as I do, can can garner it up eventually because losing has to suck eventually, right? You have to get sick of it eventually. You have to get to a point where when opportunities like this strike, you have to capitalize. If Aaron Rodgers was – I will say this for the record, and I'll look the camera in the eye. I'll look all you listeners, viewers, everybody in the eye. If Aaron Rodgers was playing this game, I would have picked the Packers. And you can respect if we lost to the Packers yes. with Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron There's Rodgers no right now, as it currently stands, you can make the case – and in a very valid case, he's the best quarterback in football. He just won MVP last year with his best season at 37 years old. And this season, there's been no drop-off. You can make the case that Aaron Rodgers right now not only is the best quarterback in the NFL, but the Packers are the best team in football. You can make that case. So, I would have picked the Packers. But when you lose a guy that valuable and that great, and you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side... I have to go with Patrick Mahomes in this one. I'm going to take him. I think he wins the State Farm Bowl, even though Aaron Rodgers decided not to play in this one uh, because of you know medical reasons. But the, 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 the key structure in all of my stances is that I just think the Chiefs are eventually going to get it right. I have enough faith in them to get it right. I don't feel confident they're a playoff team yet, but I think in big matchups they have to show me that, and I think this week they do. God, I hope I'm right. this way, too. Remember the last time we were supposed to have this matchup? Patrick was out. Yeah. And we were all picking the Packers to yeah. win because Aaron Rodgers there. We almost won that game. If it wasn't you know for a mean? miracle throw in the back of the exactly. end zone, yeah. It was a throwaway pass that happened to turn into a touchdown. Yeah. So we almost won that game with Chad Hint or with uh, Matt Moore. So 
I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is out. I'm picking the Chiefs, man. Patrick Mahomes healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's just, I'm. Yeah, I'm expecting some errors from Jordan Love. So I think that well, would be the end all be all. You guys can see at the bottom of the screen where to follow us, where to hit us up. Let us know what you guys think in this game. How you see it going down? We would love to hear your guys' feedback. We'd love to hear what you guys think about this matchup. And it's going to be here in about 26 hours as we're recording this one. So we have one more order of business to get to, and I'm. Not so excited about this one, but we're going to do it anyway because it's fun each and every time. Guys, what's it called? Hold, Hold this L. L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether they're friendly or not friendly, we promise you whoever is holding that L, those motherfuckers deserve it. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 oh, who is holding the L for you this week and is it F1? No, it's not F1. It's Manchester United. Easy. Easy pick. Uh, I was watching the game earlier today uh, against Manchester City while I woke up second half, so... I want to say watch the whole game, but uh, yeah, they they are fucking terrible, and they're decided kind of like what Barcelona kind of decided to stay with their uh, head coach, but Barcelona finally decided to make the right choice and fire that coach and then hire a new one. So they're moving in the right direction, I think. But Manchester United is moving in the opposite direction. Uh, at the beginning of the season, they were considered to be title contenders. Uh, they were considered to be one of the four teams to be contending for the title this year. But apparently, it's only three. It's uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Chelsea, of course, first place, you know, because that's how we do. But Manchester United's slowly slipping off, and it's no longer in that conversation. You can't be this terrible and have a good team. They have one of the best teams in, in the Premier League. You have... Cristiano Ronaldo, you have Bruno Fernandes, two of two of the biggest Portuguese players you can have in one lineup. And for you to be this bad, it's crazy. So yeah, losing 5-0 to Liverpool and then 2-0 to Manchester City, two of the teams you're contending uh, you're competing against for the title. It does not look good because you lost both of those games at home. You shouldn't. So for that reason, Manchester, Manchester United, you're going to have to do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week? I'm surprised we haven't touched on it and done the show, but granted, we haven't had any questions in the mailbag, so uh, shout out to the mailbag. Yeah, damn it, mailbag. Uh, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, relationship's over. You guys are ghosted us <laughs> for two straight weeks. Um, we might have to make adjustments. <laughs> yeah. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, what a fall from grace, man. Like, it's it's – one of the one of the greatest starts we've ever seen from a wide receiver. Three straight Pro Bowls in three straight years. Like and it started late halfway into the se- almost halfway into the season in his rookie year and then took off from there and we thought, Oh my God, is this gonna be the next greatest receiver we've seen? Like we went from that to I mean and performing well with the noodle arm Eli Manning and putting up insane numbers. Um, and then going to uh, you know getting his way out uh, out of the of the Giants franchise and then landing and, and getting fat pay uh, to go to Cleveland to a team that you know was growing and we thought I know I thought this year was going to be the year they took that next step and win that division and uh, they still could um, now that he's gone uh, but you know it's just I I really did not expect this to happen in his career I know he's dealt with those injuries that happens though. It's more about who he is as an individual now at this point. I just think that he's really, really starting to self-sabotage his career. Uh, he has no one really else to blame but himself. Um, granted, and like I said, he's dealt with some injuries, and it, that is what it is. A lot of top-tier talent players deal with injuries, um, especially skill, skill positions. Um, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think we all can agree that the connection between him and, and uh, Baker was never really there. But at the same time, this season especially, uh, the year they were really supposed to put it together, Baker's been dealing with that labrum, that torn labrum. He's been dealing with some issues himself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, man. If you're a player and you're that, and it's gotten that bad to the point where you're pretty much getting dismissed from practices – on the Browns, right? I mean, a team that was a, a fan base that was thirsty and dying to have a superstar talent. That he 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 has been and has has been a lot of his career, uh, but the last handful of years, last few years, I should say, two three years especially, he's just he hasn't been that guy. Um, and I think this is this might be. Uh, I know in our our chat thread that I, I said that the Chiefs should go after him just because I think he could be a good complimentary piece. Um, skill set wise, just to have that throw in. I mean, you can get Odell in a bare, you know, a damn near vet minimum to come in and be that another another option offense. I'll take that, but I, I, the, his personality is what gives me pause, not his talent. Because um, I think Pat would get the best out of him uh, more than Baker could. Because I just think that he'll have that connection, and Baker's just not who Pat is uh, arm talent wise. Um, but yeah, just the reason I'm giving this L is just. He's he's definitely self sabotaged his career. Um, he had, he had an opportunity. Stefanski's a hell of a coach. I believe he was finding ways to get Odell the, the ball. I just think there's a lot of lack of effort on Odell's side, and he's got his dad out there tweeting uh, uh, nasty things about uh, um, Baker and you know, calling him a leader, saying he's not good enough. I think Odell was coming out talking about this team's not good enough to go to the Super Bowl, and he's teamed up with his his best friend uh, Jarvis Landry and squandered that 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 possibility of them having that built in chemistry and. You know, uh, he's probably going to get picked up by some team off off way. He's probably going to clear waivers because I don't know if anybody really wants to touch him right now. Um, but, yeah, it's just a bad look. And, and it's honestly the main reason is uh, it's just a massive fall from grace. Like, this is one of the best towns we've ever seen this first few years. One yeah. of the best towns we've ever seen in the wide receiver position. Had an opportunity to be a Hall of Famer, and I don't think he's going to be now. That's a really unfortunate situation for him. Um so I mean I hope the best for him moving forward, but he had a great opportunity here with the, one of the, maybe the most loaded roster in the NFL from top to bottom, um, especially when the running backs are healthy and that defense is healthy and that, every, from top to bottom skill set wise that is a great roster and it's a team that was poised to make a run here this year and I think he's a big part of why they're not. Um, so with that man Odell Beckham just do me a big favor, buddy, and hold, hold this L. L. Uh, I actually have two L's this week. Uh, one of them is. I wouldn't say lighthearted, but one of them definitely isn't. And I want to I want to address the first one first. When it comes to veteran players in the league that get an opportunity to play for a great team at the end of their career to get their first ring, you feel like that's like a dream come true, right? They put in all the hard work and effort into getting that ring, and they finally get a chance. You would think under no circumstances would they squander that, right? Well, Deshaun Jackson just did that. What I mean by that is this. Deshaun Jackson's been one of the more exciting receiving players in the NFL over the last 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he blew up in Andy Reid's offense back with the Eagles. It's an absolute highlight reel, right? He's done some incredible things on the field. But since about 2017, he's really fallen off. He's 35 years old now. He's nowhere near the player he once was. He's kind of just a, you, th- you throw him in here once every three or four weeks, he'll have a big catch or something, right? That's who he is. He's an older, undersized wide receiver. That happens. Well, he was signed by the Los Angeles Rams this offseason. And they were like, hey, man, we're going to you know play you, give you opportunities downfield. And he had a couple. He had about 212 yards this season with the Rams through six, like seven weeks. Yeah. Right. Like but we knew his role was limited, which is why it was confusing when Deshaun Jackson started complaining 
about his role and how he wanted a bigger role. And the Rams were like, look, man, if you want to go out there and find trade options, go and do it. They ended up putting him on claim, uh, on waivers. He clears waivers, and now was a free agent, and no one signed him nope. yet. Look, I understand you think that you're still at the top of your game, but you're not, first of all. And now, at best, you're going to probably get some opportunity on a bad team. Dude, you were just with the 7-1 and one Rams, a team that has a very good chance that of, at worst, getting <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Which would be Deshaun's first Super Bowl appearance. What the hell are you doing, man? Like, at this stage of your career, and I don't ever want to be the guy that tells somebody what to do with their career, but when you think this is everything perfect for you, you get to play a, a, a minor role on a team that has a great chance of winning the Super Bowl, and then you can go out on top. You have this awesome career behind you, and a ring in front of you, and you ask to be let go? What in the literal hell are you talking and thinking? And here's the thing. I've seen a lot of Chiefs fans theorizing that Deshaun Jackson could end up coming to Kansas City. Here's another reality check. The Chiefs aren't as much of a Super Bowl favorite as the Rams are currently. And here's another reality check. They have two all-pro receiving options. And Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So guess what he would have here in Kansas City? A limited role. You can't have it both ways, man, as a 35-year-old receiver. It's not how it goes for the majority of you guys. So the only thing he's going to catch and be catching right now is what I'm about to hand him right now. Deshaun Jackson, do me a solid and hold his My second one, it's not funny. It's not lighthearted. It's actually very serious and very frustrating for me as an individual who deals within society and deals with realities of life and how things can be hard and dark and, and, and sinister at times, downright impossible to handle sometimes. Every one of us knows somebody, maybe even yourself included, that deals with very, very rough mental issues. Uh, depression, anxiety, those are the ones that always come to mind. But other people deal with a lot of other things, schizophrenia, uh, uh, other issues within the within the mind. The mind is a very difficult thing to understand. The brain is a very weird muscle. It's a vulnerable thing. It's a very vulnerable thing. And I one thing I really love, and, and there's a lot of like social justice warrior stuff and cancel culture and, and, and all this other stuff that, that you can roll your eyes at a lot of times because people are oftentimes just looking to find something to get mad about. But one thing I love about where our world is heading to a degree is is this unashamed approach, especially for men, male athletes, to speak their minds, literally, about what they go through in their minds. When I was growing up and, and being around my dad's generation, those guys growing up looking up to them, those dudes never talked about that stuff. But does that mean that was ever a thing they didn't deal with? Hell no. Men, men have been dealing with this stuff. People have been dealing with mental issues forever. It's a part of our DNA. A lot of people struggle with getting themselves out of their own heads. And what I love is that we're now in a world where that is becoming more of, a, of a, an accepted and embraced thing. Where men are able to go out and speak their minds and, and express what they deal with. And not feel ashamed or damned by it. And just when I feel like we're getting that progress, we get moronic, tone-deaf people like Marcellus Wiley, who unfortunately, for some damn reason, have a platform to spew their vitriol and their stupidity. And this week, a couple days ago, I can't believe I just found it out about a day ago when I saw this clip from his show uh, Speak for Yourself with Emmanuel Acho on FS1. For some reason, they brought this topic up. And most of the time when these topics are brought up, it's usually two 
praise men for speaking out about this stuff. And we've had two in particular players at the NFL level speak on this. Lane Johnson from the Eagles and Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. They've been very open and honest about what they're struggling with mentally and why they had to step away from the game for a time. Calvin currently, Lane previously. This is Marcellus Wiley's take on what those two men are going through in particular and what he feels about this situation. more than what they're actually saying in terms of why they're in this position. But let me start here. My first trophy I ever got, 1983, eight years old, big dog. I know your age, so you weren't here, but this is my first trophy. And I mean, when I got that trophy, it was for everybody on our team. We just won the championship. We're at the banquet. We get this trophy, and it's a plaque. So it's crazy. You get a plaque, and then you're, like, getting this trophy. You're sitting in there in your little too big a suit, too baggy a suit, taking the little pictures. Your mom got the 110 old-school camera or the Polaroid. And you sit down at the table and then you read it. I remember like yesterday reading this. This is what it says. Thanks for listening, persevering, learning fundamentals, and proving to all that you could endure life's eventualities. I'm eight years old, though. Always remember, winners never quit and quitters never win. The 1983 Inglewood Mohawks won it all. Thanks a million. We love you. Head coach Melvin Smith, senior and staff. That still hangs up in my house. Why? Because it really just tells us what we need to understand and expect from what life is going to give us in the game of life here's my thing with mental health i need to know what are you doing to cause the injury as you say to your mental health because that matters because i know in physical health here are the steps let's respect them the same as Acho said let's do it ouch what's wrong well you know what something's wrong and it hurts right here okay how did this happen is that how it goes down in the NFL when you go in there and say, ouch, what's wrong? Right here. How did this happen? We got to talk through this. Here's the thing what's happening, and it's happening too often, is that there's this protective layer when you say mental health, and we stop asking the questions. We stop digging into how did you get to this place? One thing I've seen, and Snoop Dogg just talked about this, why he always goes around and thanks himself. He doesn't just always thank others. He's like, thank me. I woke up. I did all the work. He's like... There's this need for external validation. And if you listen to Calvin Ridley, he said part of his problem, if not most of his problem, was staying up all night on social media, just reading how people were thinking about him and talking about him and feeling his game or not feeling his game. That's contributing to your own mental health injury, right? Just like in football, there are non-football-related injuries, and they will criticize you for those. They look down on you. If you come into the offseason or damn near miss time in the regular season because of what? Jet skiing. Oh, I went skiing. Motorcycle accident. It happened to a couple of my teammates. Oh, they ain't trying to hear that. You missed time. You messed up our situation because you did something that was outside the scope of what you should be doing that's best for you. Why not mental health in the Senate? But if you're doing things that's contributing to your own issues, we need to talk about that if we're really going to try to address and help mental health. Okay, is there such thing as uh, physical weakness? Of course. Well, there's mental weakness as well. Now, see, here's the problem. People all of a sudden, you saying I'm mentally weak? Hell yeah, I'm saying you're mentally weak. It's okay. Like, they're physically weak people. Like, here's one example. Kevin Durant couldn't bench rest his weight. He's physically weak, right? Didn't hurt his game. He overcame that. You can be mentally weak. Oh, my God, I, I, I can't stay off Twitter. And everyone thinks I'm hell and these absolutes. Hey, it doesn't have to infect your full game. It's just you're mentally weak. Talk about this. Because in this world, there are no solutions, just trade-offs. Let's talk about the trade-off with mental health right now. Because it's getting so protected, this fine layer of film that's just keeping everyone from really piercing through it and saying, 
What's wrong with you? You okay? I'm going to talk to Lane. I'm going to talk to Calvin. Like I love them, like I would my loved ones, like I did my own daughter. My own daughter for a second there started to get into this lane because she knew there was a support system out there. Oh, you going through this? You got to do this and this and this. Oh, it's overwhelming, isn't it? And she started to internalize that. And me and her had a talk, one of them real talks. I said, let me tell you one thing. Don't add it up, baby. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, everything that you just listed, don't add it up. They're all individual. They're all interdependent. They connect in your mind, but don't add them all up because that will feel overwhelming even though you have to handle all of these individually. Let me also say this. These cats today are having too many inputs. I told you this example before. It's the soundboard. When I used to DJ festivals and big gigantic concerts, I got a soundboard at home right now. It's this big. I go to those concerts. It's bigger than a studio. And it's just input, 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 output, output, output. Here's the problem. You have to have a master's degree to know how to make that a perfect sound when it's that much. These guys got too many things going on in them and coming to them and then all of a sudden want to complain about it when they don't want to do the work, the master work, okay. to make sure that they're okay and having a pure harmonic sound. My last one is this. I look at everybody out there and I'm like, yo, we talking football, so let's stick in our vacuum. Football is built on Darwinism, dog. Survival of the fittest. I'm sorry. It's not a rival of the weakest. Like, it's survival of the fittest. If you can't play football physically, get your ass out of here. If you can't play football mentally, get your ass out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you're talking to. But this whole new world where I can't even play, I can warm up and now I can't play because I was on Twitter. Hey, that means you don't want to play football instead of, like, one more step. I like the NFL the way it is, but I get it. <clears throat> just to let you guys know, full disclosure, when I first heard about this on Twitter, I watched that about three or four times uh, to make sure I didn't miss anything, misconstrue anything, and, and it was really hearing where Marcellus Wiley was coming from, what he was trying to get to. And the first three times I had the same uh, reaction, same emotions arise every single time. And usually on this show especially and off the show uh i tend to get very emotional and very uh you know outwardly I, I get i get very boisterous but this isn't something that i feel that i need to attack that way because it's not it would misrepresent how to help these types of things by attacking it emotionally like marcellus wiley just did oversimplifying overlooking undermining a lot of the issues that guys in particular like calvin ridley and lane johnson are dealing with and it's amazing what you will learn when you actually listen to people and marcellus wiley is one of these people that did not listen to calvin ridley or lane johnson he quoted something that calvin said but he missed the point that calvin was making he said that he got so caught up in reading social media and seeing the things that people are saying about him but what they don't get is that isn't the cause that's an ingredient that is a diagnose that is that is a, a a byproduct of what they're dealing with the feeling that you need to go to social media social media isn't the cause for their mental issues the mental issues are causing them to go to social media and that's being missed and misrepresented and what marcellus is saying in this little tidbit here and the dismissal of saying that if you're mentally weak, get your ass out of here, trying to compare it to a physical ailment is 101 completely incorrect. To the, to, the, to the core of the situation, that is incorrect. You cannot compare mental 
issues to physical issues. If I broke my arm, I can put it in a sling for a few weeks and it heals. If I have a mental breakdown, I can't go put it in a brain sling and just sit there for four weeks and heal. I still got to keep going. My brain functions my entire body. It is the core of what I am. You cannot simplify it to a physical ailment in comparison. And this, you know what the saddest part of what Marcella said isn't just what Marcella said. It's the fact that that is the belief system of a lot of men in this world. Especially former athletes that came from a different generation where you don't talk about this shit. You don't show weakness. When weakness is a part of who we are. Regardless of whether you're a pro athlete or one of us schmucks here on the show. It, it, I'm not going to get mad at Marcellus, even though I really fucking am. Even though I'm really angry at what he just said. Because I have had people in my life that have committed suicide. I have had people in my life that deal with this at a very high level that wanted to kill themselves. I've had a lot of people I care about. And there are people that I don't even know exist that deal with these things. You think that this type of video and these types of comments are going to help them get through that? You sit here and compare it to physical ailment. When people are physically ill, do you just ignore it? No, you get them to the best doctors, the best treatment possible, don't you, Marcellus? You're a former athlete. I'm assuming that when you got hurt, you went to the doctor. Did that make you weak? People that are mentally weak right now in their, in their time and place doesn't mean they're going to be weak forever. It means they're going through something, man. And it just, it, that bothers me so much. And especially when you got receipts on people like Marcellus Wiley. And I'm going to say it. When Junior Seau killed himself... You know who Marce you know who's a good friend of his was? It was Marcellus Wiley. This is a video of him on ESPN talking about Junior Seau. And I remember talking to him about the reports that uh, he had crashed his car and attempted suicide. I remember talking to him because I said, Junior, be real with me. I'm your boy. You know, I've fallen asleep at the wheel before. You know, I'm not perfect. Tell me you just fell asleep. And Junior told me he did. Junior didn't tell me anything that showed any cries for help. And I remember the last time we talked, and after we got off the phone, Junior texted me. This is Junior. This is Junior being a given man. This is Junior being the great player, the great person. Text me. My last text from him is, I love you, that dude. Buddy. It just it doesn't make sense, man. I just know how great a heart this guy had beyond the ability, and today is the worst day. What happened, Marcellus? Like, where, where did that guy go? When you're sympathetic and empathetic of a friend of yours who literally killed himself and didn't just kill himself, he killed himself in a way to where the, the scientists and doctors can experiment his brain as to what happened to him because he didn't know what was going on in him. There's a whole documentary of Junior Seau, this great human being, a great football player, but a great dad and, hus a great dad and husband, all of a sudden becomes this different person. Distances himself from his wife and his kids, starts messing around with other women, goes into these deep, dark places, and ends up shooting himself in the chest so they can experiment his brain to figure out what happened. Come to find out, he was dealing with serious trauma to his brain. And you're going to sit here all these years later and get self-righteous with people that may be dealing with the same things because they're playing in the same sport? It doesn't make sense, man. you gotta be you got to be sensitive to these people. And if that makes them weak... What does that make you? 
to sit here and call people out who are being open and honest about the shit they're going through internally. It makes you weak, man. I'm not going to sit here and do the little chant hold this out thing because this is serious. It's a real problem. And you're a part of it, Marcellus. People like you that think and feel this way are a part of the problem. You're why other men are afraid to talk about this shit openly. And why they continue to kill themselves. Because they have no other outlets. They can't speak their minds because of people like you judging them. I'll just say something real quick. Do it. So... The, the the this whole topic of men's mental health has definitely become a new thing uh, in the last decade, a little over a decade. It's becoming more and more of a respectable practice, and and, and definitely has warranted more attention. But it's been a problem since the beginning of time. The the dating back to when they started actually counting the stat, men are four to one in suicides between men and women. Four to one. Four to one. Men are killing themselves at a far higher rate than in any any at any time in any generation in any since this stat's been counted. And I'm pretty sure it's probably even worse back before that. Yeah. Um, because men just don't want to talk about it, you know, and um, and maybe for reasons because of people like Marcellus Wiley because they 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 get talked about and embarrassed on national television when they're trying to take their their this seriously. Now that they have outlets, now this is becoming a thing that's people are actually talking about. Uh, he talked about, and I'm really confused on why he even made this a football conversation. This is not about football. And, he, and he, what he used was, you know, if you're not mentally health, strong enough to get on this field, get the hell off the field. Get your ass off the field. If you're not physically strong enough to play this game, get your ass off the field. They are. Right. Calvin Ridley's not playing football right now. Lane Johnson took a step away from football. They're not on the field. That's literally what they did. So what's your point? He, he tried. You know, he tried. He tried. I hate to be the I hate to be the guy that actually brings the show down at the end, but this is just like, me, this is what the fuck happened. This is, this is just real shit, man. And I, I I would have been I'd have been damned if I didn't bring this up on yeah, our that's, show. That's we talk about real shit here, good, funny, hilarious, and the and the real dark shit because this is this is now I mean uh, Chris Long and uh, uh, Darius Leonard and a bunch of other NFL players have come out and 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 like just smoked Marcellus on this. Not that's to even bad. be disrespectful or show him up, but just say, dude, this is bullshit. Like, how dare you come against us? No, men need to step up and say shit to him. That's, yes. That's, it, it, and I thought that was beautiful. And that's yeah. honestly why I decided not to come on this and just be like, you motherfucker. I didn't want to do that. I don't respond with emotions. No, because he he's the one that is emotionally wrong in saying the things he said. So um, hopefully us bringing this up, men out there, women out there that are watching this, I hope this is encouraging to you to not listen to that type of shit and to understand there are people out there, man, that fucking love you, that are going to be there for you and are going to respect the fact that you take care of you first, yeah. your mental health, because if you can't take care of you, how in the world are you going to take care of anybody else? Yeah. You got to take care of you, man. And I'm not stepping out of sports because it obviously is a real thing that athletes deal with on a daily basis. I don't basis. think that makes you any less of a man. It doesn't. That's, if anything, that's, it that's makes you more. That's contributor to why guys don't talk about it because they feel like it makes them less of a man. And yeah. it's, 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 it, it's the other way around, man. Absolutely. So... And I hope you guys had fun today, man. I had a blast. We covered a lot of things. We really hope that the Chiefs go out there and make a statement against a, a young first starting quarterback, first game starting quarterback in Jordan Love. I do believe the Chiefs get this one done. I know my guy Eddie feels a little bit differently. He's very, hey, he's with all within his right. The Chiefs have given us a lot of questions more than answers this season. But in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this show, whether live streaming, YouTubing, or, face, or for uh, podcasting. Thank you guys so much for all the feedback and being a part of this. Maybe we'll get the Monday mailbag back. I don't know. We'll see. But in the meantime, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Windler, I am Lance Twidwell, the Spoken Podcast, episode 140 is done, finished, it's finito and until 142 is here, we can talk about a potential Chiefs victory against the Packers, 
We out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.